Hello and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Jeff Marquiafava. Hey! Serial Vasquez. Hey! And Leo Vader in the back half of this show, but we have a lot to get to before we even get to that, because we have a lot of PlayStation 5 and next-gen news to unpack. Then Leo Vader will be joining us. We're going to talk about Splunky 2, Crash Bandicoot 4, uh, some Ubisoft forward details, talking about Moon, that funky RPG on the Switch. And then back half of the show, we have some wonderful community emails. God, this is an exciting week. Uh, We have this Friday, Super Mario 3D All-Stars coming out on the Nintendo Switch, which is kicking off the next Deepest Dive. The Deepest Dive is the best, most thorough discussion about games on the internet, and we're doing Super Mario 64. We're tackling one of the greats, and so next week we'll be kicking off that huge game club discussion. Right now the plan is it's going to be myself, that dastardly Dan Reichert, uh, the wonderfully nice Ana Diaz, and then uh, my wonky best friend Ronnie will be joining us for that Deepest Dive. So it should be a fun uh, wonky Ronnie wonky Ooh. Ronnie in the house so we'll be talking all, right. all about <laughs> even uh, the windows interface is excited about that <laughs> and I'll mute that uh, but we're gonna be talking about the first third of that game everything up through the first Bowser fights so you don't have to get all the stars but the time to talk about all the stars in that section is in that first discussion we'll have a post on patreon looking for your feedback insight comments on the first third of that game you can leave a comment there and we'll read it on the air Jeffum. The PlayStation 5, the big showcase happened. If you want to watch our raw reaction stream, Jeff and I, with our eyes bulging out of our skull, uh, you can check it out on Minmax's YouTube channel. Jeff, what stood out to you the most about the big PlayStation 5 stream today? Um, It kind of made me interested in a Harry Potter game, which I wasn't expecting. That's really interesting. Yeah, I feel like, I, I don't know, are any of you big Harry Potter fans? It's a weird time to be a Harry Potter fan. Kind of a messy time to be a Harry Potter fan. That is true. But I think the trailer, so in the PlayStation 5 showcase, they revealed Hogwarts Legacy, which is the frequently rumored and leaked game that Avalanche, the former developers of Disney Infinity, are working on, where it's the big Harry Potter RPG in Hogwarts set during the late 1800s. And even though I'm not the world's biggest Harry Potter fan, like just hearing that John Williams score flying around that school and then just like showing the areas around the school that you're going to be exploring. It really will work on you. That was like the secret unsung hero. I feel, I feel like of this entire PlayStation five showcase was the music, like final fantasy music coming in swing and the Spider-Man miles Morales music is great. And then the Harry Potter score. It's like, okay, you're getting me emotionally Sony in this entire showcase, which people in the min max community were really in love with we had a poll up on twitter asking for people's reaction to the stream what they would grade it and 59 percent said an a 27 percent said b 12 percent said c and 1.5 percent gave it a d but surreal were you as impressed by this thing as the community uh i was a l- i'm a little frustrated because like i think with they made some pretty good consumer moves which is similar to a lot of what Microsoft was doing, which I was surprised by. You know, they're yeah. they're shifting more towards a, a slightly more consumer friendly direction. But I'm frustrated that like I almost feel like by the end of it, after that some of the details uh, were released post conference, that I was kind of thinking like I don't know that I need a PS5 at launch, except for like two very dumb me specific exceptions that are like putting me borderline about whether or not I should get a PS5. And what are those exceptions? Uh, Destiny and Devil May Cry. 
<laughs> really? You just want the best version of those games to play? Well, yeah, those are the games I'm probably going to play. Like, well, maybe not Devil May Cry. Pro- I mean, no, I'm going to play a lot of Destiny. It is wild. Also, Horizon Forbidden West will also be coming to PS4. Yeah, which uh, that, again, another huge surprise that they did not have to. I don't think anyone was expecting that to be the case. Yeah, I yeah. did not know that. Yeah, I know. And stuff is trickling out and it's just amazing to see like, wait, what? Wait, what? Whereas the actual showcase I thought was really impressive and really great. A lot of hype building. And then it's the fine details after about like, well, wait a minute. I got excited for next gen and now I'm suddenly doing that 180 again of like, well, should I be as excited? But let's go for like the basics of what we're working with here with the PlayStation 5 and what they revealed before we get into a lot of fine print and a lot of details. But they revealed the price of the PlayStation 5 and the PlayStation 5 digital edition. So $500 and $400. Great price matching Xbox roughly. I know Xbox has a $300 variant, but solid price. It seems like they're going to be losing a fair bit on it. I know that for the Xbox, they said they're going to be losing a hundred dollars a unit with the way they price that. So I imagine PlayStation five is going to be roughly in the same way, but I think it's a, it's a good look good on them. And it's going to be releasing in select regions, including the U S uh, and Japan. And I believe uh, Europe, uh, November 12th. So that is the Thursday after the Xbox launch on Tuesday. So have they mentioned two days? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so have they mentioned they can the like the the storage limits on those because a hundred dollars for a disk drive seems excessive but maybe they're just trying to temper it a little bit i don't know yeah i'm not sure exactly how that math works out right but i think i mean are you tempted to go for the digital edition jeff you know i was i was just pondering that uh in the little break that we took because like I was thinking, when was the last time I bought a physical game, and why would I at this point? Especially now, when I'm, you know, when we're all sheltering in place, it's like just I have gotten so used to buying everything and having it shipped to my door if I am going to buy something, or just why would I not, you know, buy digitally? Yeah, when it's when it's so much more convenient and you don't have to wait at all. Yeah, but I think it, I. I think, you know, I have seen, like, it seems like some, at least some of the companies are going for that $70 price tag for next gen. Yeah. And it, it makes me wonder, it, I'm I'm also trying to figure out how that factors in personally for me of like, well, you know, maybe it is, maybe it is worth having that option if I do want to buy a game used. And if they, if, you know, that is a cheaper option for some games that I don't want to pay $70 for. And I don't want to be at the mercy of Sony to, you know, change their prices on the digital store if you went digital only. Yeah. Uh, So they revealed that uh, the pre-orders are going up tomorrow. So everybody has to make up their mind fast on how this thing's working. So that's Thursday. So if you're watching this or listening to this on Thursday, did you you see that other Jeff Keighley Keighley tweet? That said the Sony retailers might be getting it today. Oh, really? Bring up uh, pre-orders up today because we're recording is- Wednesday. It is just we're lost in the chaos of next gen stuff. It's just a lot. So then, after the stream, we learned that Miles Morales will be coming to PlayStation Four. In addition to PlayStation Five, it's obviously optimized for PlayStation Five. But I, I've been saying it for a while that it was a possibility, and so that was locked in. And then the surprise of Horizon Forbidden West also coming to PlayStation Four. So now we're. <laughs> yeah that's very surprising yeah so now we're in that weird 
Microsoft limbo of like, okay, I want them to make the most of next gen, but obviously they want to tap into that huge install base of the PS4, so I won't blame them too much, but God. It it, it makes that quote they were talking about earlier of like, oh, we want to we want to be able to take advantage of our hardware or yes. whatever. That clear lines like, between oh, yeah. generations was the marketing. And I think that was just to give them an angle against Microsoft. And now we find out that not much of an angle if all yeah. your biggest games are going to be cross-gen just like them. It, this weird reminder of like they did something very similar like last gen where they were just like yeah we're gonna give we're gonna do the same thing it's just we have a better angle like we have the exclusives right so like before it was like yeah we're gonna keep having physical games and we're gonna do the things that you kind of expect us to do but we're gonna like we're not gonna sell you on like a different vision it's it's kind of weird yeah okay so what other games were coming to playstation 4 as well i saw there was some messaging bah, 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 bah. Uh, uh sack boy the sack boys adventure uh miles morales there was one uh horizons forbidden west i think those were the three okay sack boy adventure that was that was the extra one too okay yeah, i think so i think that makes astro boy the or not yeah astrobot the only like exclusive at launch right so, yeah, because Jeff Keighley also tweeted that Demon Souls is going to be at launch. And then there was a leak here, or not a leak, but it's coming well, from... I mentioned in the ad. It was in the trailer. Okay. And, it's also on PC. Right, on PC. No, no, no. But I'm talking about there was PlayStation Japan on that blog. It listed the launch games as Demon Souls, Destruction All-Stars, Spider-Man Miles Morales, Sackboy, and Astro's, Astro's Playroom. So... Maybe Destruction All-Stars won't be cross-gen, but I would imagine that it will be, right? Yeah. What a weird world. Okay, so Demon Souls will be on PC. That is such a weird thing to realize, Serial, that Astro's Playroom is going to be the only PlayStation 5 exclusive here? Uh, I mean, I think Jeff Keighley also mentioned uh, Ribbit's Big Adventure from Sumo Digital. Okay, that's an interesting one. You're a big Ribbit's fan. It's so tough to be so excited about the development talent, the games themselves, but just have the wind taken out of your sales for actual next gen assignment. I mean, I still am going to try and get a PlayStation five at launch. I'm still excited about it, but just knowing that, okay, it's not going to be pushing it, but for miles Morales, it still is going to look great. I mean, I think the gameplay that they showed looked fantastic. Uh, did you have any big takeaway from the Spider-Man gameplay, Jeff? Yeah, it, it looked really good and it remind you know, I was watching it with the same kind of skepticism that I had when we saw the original Spider-Man, which when yeah. when those, you know, when those early videos were coming out, people were like, it can't look this good in real life. Like that, you know, some of that's cut scenes and whatnot. And then puddles. I think, yep, yep, the puddles. Good, good Lord, we know about all the puddles. But, you know, that held up in a way that made me kind of, second guess my own you know skepticism of what we were seeing because like they they pulled it off before and they surprised me that they actually lived up to what they were showing with the first one so yeah and the stuff that they showed was captured on playstation 5 but i think the ps4 can do a lot of that maybe some of the cool electric effects from miles morales won't look quite as impressive as it does on ps5 i'm curious to see exactly how those differences line up but I still think it looked great. I thought the music was really cool, having more of just uh, some fat beats thrown into that Spider-Man soundtrack. And we learned that part of the story is going to involve Roxon, the gang, versus the Tinkerer. 
unclear if she's going to be the big bad for the entire experience but since it's a shorter experience maybe it is and it's focusing on miles morales and his new home in harlem and his mom is now a politician and uh he's got his best buddy also that he's exploring harlem with but i thought like the crowds in harlem look great too yeah yeah i was also i I realized like oh right miles morales is totally like the kind of character you'd want in a sequel because he offers you new ability like explicit new abilities from the comics like he has his invisibility and he has his spider sting which is like the electric uh zap that he used so it's like oh right like this actually lines up pretty well for like giving you new skill trees and stuff yeah yeah it'll work great uh so it was captured on ps5 they said in the blog post on playstation site that there is an upgrade path to the playstation 5 quote the game comes with you so if you buy it on ps4 you will be able to upgrade to ps5 but they don't specifically say that it's free yeah i i saw that too but the standard edition on ps5 is still 60 dollars. is that correct uh i'm not sure I think it's 50 and then you get like the, there's like a $70 deluxe edition that comes with the Spider-Man yeah, which, which comes with the yeah like a remastered version for PS5 plus the DLC from the original one that was a little more yeah but it, but it didn't seem like at least you know for the standard edition that Sony was trying to you know bump up the price as just like a flat line next gen you know is going to cost more yeah thing so if it I mean, I guess they could they could still certainly charge in another fee, I guess, if you buy it on PS4 first. But. Yeah, so I'm still confused about the breaking news about PlayStation 5 game prices. So it seems like they're going to cost up to $70 is what they're saying for the Sony first-party stuff. Yeah, I think... I'm guessing what it's going to turn out to be is anything from the first party studios that isn't on PS4. Like once they kind of cut that line and say it's a PS5 only game, I think those are going to be $70. But I think for now I could, I could see forbidden West being like the first $70 PS4 game from the first party. Assuming that comes out before God of war. Right. Which, yeah, we still have to talk about that. I mean, they ended this entire showcase with a teaser of God of war coming in 2021 no real images you get a logo you get some snow falling and then it says ragnarok is coming unclear if it's going to be called god of war ragnarok that seems likely but maybe they still wanted to save themselves some wiggle room you get to hear kratos talking about getting prepared and stuff like that i mean god of war is my favorite playstation 4 game i i am so excited for that it's coming earlier than i expected just three years after that original game. And so I wonder how much it's going to be using some of those same areas. Cause there's still a lot of realms. If you remember that we still haven't seen. So I would think it's not exactly going to be a miles Morales situation, but it's probably going to be reusing some of those areas. Right. I could see there being like the, like the part where you go back to old areas, but I don't think they'll, you know, I don't think they're going to feature them super prominently. I bet you'll still have like the, okay. The so table thing, the, the, the huge center square. I could see I that bet. being yeah. know, part of it. Right. But I don't think you'll, you're going to go back to the realms from the previous game unless it's like, hey, it's a different part of this realm. Right, right. Uh, then they also showed Demon Souls. It seemed like that was the biggest kicker and everybody was in love with the way that looked. Blue Point is just knocking out of the park visually. Looks stunning. Uh, also coming to PC, like you mentioned, and they yeah. there's a little confusion right now about it's not available on other consoles for a limited time is how the wording worked. Yeah, which is weird. Like, I don't think they needed to release it on Xbox, right? Because uh, they own that property. But you would I could be think wrong. so, and maybe that's just couching it because they're going to eventually release it on PlayStation Four. But they wanted to leave it as a 
PS5 mm. launch title. A lot of lingering things that'll be coming clear in a couple days. Um, let's see, other things business-wise, there's a big move where they announced PlayStation Plus Collection, where it's a lot of great PlayStation games. Then they also throw in Persona 5. I don't believe it's Persona 5 Royal. Um, no, I don't think it's Royal. Okay, some other solid third-party games. X, which is surprising. Which one? Mortal Kombat X. Yeah, yeah. And so this is Sony's attempt at rivaling Game Pass. Is called the PlayStation Plus Collection. And the yeah. entire collection is going to be available at launch. Not exactly hundreds of games spanning four generations, but a solid collection that you can download, not stream like PlayStation Now. Yeah, I yeah. think if, if you haven't played a lot of PS4, this is like a really good way to jump on. Like if, you know, for some reason you didn't buy a PS4, this is a really good like starter pack for, hey, check out all these great PS4 games you can play on PS5. Um, hopefully they have like a, a very like you know a, a, an uprest version of Bloodborne that people are really excited about. Um, yeah, uh, I, that that seems pretty cool. I, I like that they're doing what it's basically like a PS5 ambassador program. Yeah, yeah, it'll give you plenty to play in there. It seems cool. Uh, let's see other stuff. They had a new Resident Evil Eight trailer, which had like a bizarre two D look like Coraline yeah. storytelling presentation. I wonder if it's just like the intro video that they're splicing in, but just having like a different art style like that within a trailer for Resident Evil game was really striking. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Like, the, the more I see of that, the the more I want to play it. I, I that weird, in, like, I wonder how much of that interlude stuff is going to be in the game and how playable it'll be. But it seems like a really cool and, and different thing for them to do in a Resident Evil game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, then the star of the show, as far as I'm concerned, is how they opened it, which they opened their PS5 showcase by saying a PC emulating a PS5 experience as the first <laughs> note, which. My Remember, favorite kind. It's funny. So you compare these two. The opening line of the PS5 first video was GTA 5, <laughs> a super old game, right? And now for the mm. second PS5 showcase video, it's like, eh, we're showing PC footage, but you get the idea. But builds up then to the grand reveal of this is Final Fantasy 16. Amazing. Yeah. I loved it. Obviously, the music, they're just hitting you over the head with this awesome string orchestration of the main Final Fantasy theme. The look of it has me so excited because it seems like marketing-wise or just strategy-wise, they're trying to pivot more to what they did with Final Fantasy IX, where with Final Fantasy IX, it's like, hey, the crystal returns. And so for sixteen, they had the message saying, ah, the legacy of the crystals. And it seems like it's going back to that more old-school Final Fantasy approach. It's no yeah. longer as sci-fi as the last couple entries, which I think fans is, are going to be so excited for. It is so weird how like it took them 16 entries to be like, you know what? Maybe the crystals were bad. Like I think I think that's the pitch of this game is like, what if the crystals were evil this whole time? <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited. It has a very Game of Thrones look. The weird beat is there's a lot about this character named Joshua and every, you know, a character is sworn to protect him, which feels very Final Fantasy 15 of like, all right, protect this royalty, but then Joshua maybe isn't the greatest guy after all with the way this whole game is steering. It's led by the Final Fantasy XIV lead. So the director of Final Fantasy XIV and, uh, you know, just a fan favorite at this point, uh, Yoshida, he is the producer this time around. And then the director is Takai, who is an assistant director on Final Fantasy XIV. He also worked on Eleven. Uh, he did like the battle graphics for Final Fantasy V. He directed The Last Remnant in 2008. Um, so it's cool to see Hiroshi Takai directing this thing. But uh, yeah, in that PlayStation blog post, Yoshida, the producer, said that, hey, don't expect too much for a while. Our next big info reveal is going to be 2021, everybody. 
Yeah, and one more like bit of talent news is that Ryota Suzuki, the designer of Devil May Cry 5 and Dragon's Dogma, is the combat designer for this one. Oh, really? Yeah, because apparently there's people brought up a, a tweet from June 5th that he'd been hired uh, to work on a new AAA title under the third business development division. Wow. And that it, and that it was rumored to be Final Fantasy 16. So, uh, yeah, they have the Devil May Cry guy doing the, the combat in uh, Final Fantasy 16, which is cool that's so exciting that trailer was so much beefier than i expected just how much they showed like all the different summons i mean they were showing a lot in there they could have just showed a logo they could have opened the thing with the god of war treatment but it's amazing that they were going all out with this and i am quite sold and then the crazy thing is that this is going to be a playstation console exclusive as the way they frame it still coming to pc yeah do you believe it or do you believe this is some mushy wording and they're going to treat it the same as it did Final Fantasy 7 remake where they have a year of exclusivity. I mean, either way, if it's a year of exclusivity, that's still, that's still a pretty damn good selling point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I feel like I should believe them at this point, but there's been so many take backs in the industry throughout. Yeah. I just, I can't, even though they were very clear in that wording, I still don't fully buy it. Yeah, I think it'll be a limit. I don't think it'll be a permanent exclusive, but you know, it wouldn't be the weirdest thing. Um, but I, I'm that that was another game where I was like, oh yeah, this is like I, I guess this is like their big swing towards the Japanese audience and God Wars, like their big swing towards the Western audience. So they it felt appropriate to bookend that stuff. But yeah, like it was one of those things where it's like, oh, I guess I I should get a PS4, and then it's like, oh, it's also on PC. Okay, great. <laughs> I, I this is not pressuring me any further to get a PS5. Right, right. Is it weird to you guys that? Uh... Corey Barlog hasn't tweeted about the PlayStation conference or tweeted about God of War yet, the director of God of War. Yeah, he seems pretty online, right? I He's wonder if... very in tune. And I think, you know, he had hinted strongly, I believe, that he wasn't going to be directing this new entry for God of War. And so I saw that uh, Matt Sophos, who was a writer uh, on the last one, he was immediately tweeting about it. And he was actually a creative director for Lost Planet 3, so he has the leadership experience and he knows the series so well. He had a huge hand in developing the story and developing The Last God of War. So I would imagine Matt Sophos will be the creative director for the new God of War, but I don't know anything behind the scenes, I swear. But it's a little bit odd. I'm waiting for that shoe to drop too about what exactly Corey's working on, if he's going to stay within Sony, what is going on at that point. Other highlights we should hit from the PlayStation conference? Oh, uh, I guess I'd have to see what they all announced, right? Uh, yeah, Dead- so... I- my big thing, my weird thing was that they, like, they announced the Devil May Cry 5 Special Edition, yeah. which lets you play as Virgil, uh, which is really, really cool. Like, my, my greatest hope for this is that they actually let you play all the V levels as Virgil, because that was like the one thing that kept me from going back to Devil May Cry 5 after I beat it, was that like, oh, I, yeah, I want to like S-rank all these levels and get played on the hardest difficulty, but I just don't think I like the way V plays. I think he's boring. Uh, and this feels like, okay, well, if all those, if you can play every level as Virgil, which I imagine they would do for like a special edition thing, uh, I would 100% go back and, and, and play the crap out of that game. But they mentioned that uh, they announced it and they said, hey, it's like, here's our next gen thing. Uh, it's on, on Series X and PS4. And then the Virgil DLC will come to all the, you know, all the previous gen platforms and PC at a later date. And that the physical edition would only be on PS5 and Series X at a later date. Which was, yeah, th- this is like the one thing that's like, ah, should I get a PS5 at launch? <laughs> because I really yeah. want to play that. I want to play as Virgil. Um, but yeah, that I'm surprised they went that route because I think Capcom has like had nothing but great launches on PC. Like, 
even Monster Hunter World did super, super well on that platform. So I'm surprised they're like, they're, they still consider it like a secondary platform for this like huge, like it's not even like they're launching, um, like because they're launching uh, Resident Evil 8 on PC. So this yeah. feels like this weird, like why, why make this of all things your like console exclusive? Yeah, it is odd. Uh, there's a lot to dissect. News will continue to break. Opinions will get heated. It, the big picture at this point is next gen is here with the world's biggest asterisk sign about, you know, yeah. you know not everyone's going to be rushing to it. I think a lot of people in the mid-max community are going to be waiting until 2021 when, hey, maybe when that new God of War comes out, my God, I hope that's a PlayStation 5 exclusive, then we can fully start enjoying next gen. But who knows, man? What a weird world. Uh, and in other console wars news, um, I, I was curious about when the Xbox Series S and that info would have dropped this week. Because remember Phil Spencer said it was supposed to reveal this week. So I wonder if they would have overlapped in each other, if it would have been a day apart. It's so weird to think about how this stuff is trickling out now. And did you see that other weird detail that Xbox revealed that the Series S was in the background of a video interview Phil Spencer did yeah. for everybody like back in July and no one Easter noticed eggs. it. Yeah. It's so fun. It was just like on a bookshelf in the background and it was so small, nobody noticed it. Uh, and then, you know, just to round out the console wars, uh, Matt Piscatella was an industry analyst. Uh, he had some interesting stats uh, from MPDs talking about how the Switch is still just the juggernaut this year. I mean, we think it's the PlayStation 5's year and the Series X's year, and the Switch is just going to steal the show. A Switch yeah. in August doubled the unit sales from August 2019, and it had the highest August dollar sales for a hardware platform in U.S. history. It is... Mm. They don't need to release a new model yet. They're just annihilating. You can't get one if you wanted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a weird thing for Nintendo to like be able to both skip this out and also be in the lead in this in this like in the holiday wars where it's like, yeah, we're already sold out and we didn't even release a console. Like we're just going to be as hot an item as anything you guys are releasing. Right. And this is our old console, right? And uh, our and big have, game released back in March and you still want to play it. Yeah. And they have the most console exclusives. They have uh, Age of Calamity and the Mario remasters. <laughs> That's okay. it. That, oh, and the Pikmin re-release, of course. Yeah. Uh, that is such a weird thing. Apparently they also just took down the, um, the Demon Souls trailer from their channel. And I, people are speculating that it's to remove the part where it's also coming to PC. <laughs> really? Yeah. So we'll see how that we'll see how that turns out. So it's just going to be that was just inaccurate, or they just want to soften that message Hide at it this point on their PlayStation channel. Yeah, I could see that. Oh my god! Yeah. What a weird thing. This has been a roller coaster of a day, but let's at least enjoy Final Fantasy 16 and a new God of War is coming, and it yeah. looks like a promising Harry Potter RPG. There is good game stuff here. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, excited for the games coming out, but it's like this yes. weird thing of like, I'm not as like, I don't feel as immediately bought into the hardware as I have been in past generations. Right, right. Well, we should move on. Um, I feel like we could use one more voice, and I don't want to make a big deal about it when Leo Vader shows up, because... Some of it's kind of going to his head. So let's just be cool about it. But let's all just subtly clap and bring Leo Vader to the podcast. Are you ready? And no reaction is what you're saying. Please don't react. Okay. Leo Vader, come to us. This week was also special because we got the big, not reveal, but actual release on PlayStation 4 right now, although it's coming to Steam at the end of the month of Spelunky 2. 
This game that yeah. everybody has been very excited about. Uh, Jeff and Leo, your fans, yes? Yes. We are. Oh, good. We played co-op together. Yeah, for the Great Goaty Hunt. You can follow us and on we Twitch. we were the best Splunky team ever. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> we yeah. made it to the jungle once. What did you uh, What did you learn about very each other impressive. along the way? That we can both persevere through anything because, boy, boy, that game is hard. Really? Yeah. Harder than the first? Is, I don't know if it's harder than Spelunky 1 or just like learning Spelunky 1 again, essentially, because it's all new yeah. and new right. threats to learn how to deal with. Yeah, it, it feels like you are, it feels as difficult as Spelunky 1, except for people who are already well-versed in Spelunky 1. Like, you, like you're, you're adding to that to that difficulty set. I would I would like to know how it is for someone who didn't play Splunky 1 just going straight into this one. Because yeah. I've still died like a hundred times since starting yesterday. I'm still trying to figure that out because, and just that discrepancy between newcomers to the series and those old school Splunky fans because I played a little bit of Splunky back in the day. I remember you reviewed it, Jeff, um, you know, Splunky mm-hmm. HD, I guess, technically. And I remember you were screaming about how difficult it was. But ever since then, I just feel like I've dabbled and it's like, okay, yeah, uh, roguelike, got it. But then I hear people talk about Spelunky and they talk about it like it's religion and there's so many spoilers and secrets and these layers and layers and layers that I haven't seen. What am I missing? What is the magic of Spelunky in both one and two here? I, I think it's just one of the best versions. Like the thing that people always complain about roguelikes is that the levels just feel like this mishmash that wasn't designed well. You know, right. that's what Kyle's always complaining about when we, when we force him to play one of these. And and Spelunky is one of the very few games where it doesn't feel like that. Like when you go into a level, it feels however they're cobbling those together, it feels smartly made and it's satisfying to go through. But it's still procedural. And, yes, but it, but everything in it is procedural. Yes, and, but but it's done well enough to the point where it's still it's still entertaining you know the thousandth time that you go into it even having you know already when i beat the original spunky like i just kept on playing it and i still kept on having fun because there's just you always want to see like what's what's going to be new about this one what items am i going to find you know and and that just remains satisfying in a way that a lot of a lot of roguelike games don't figure out that formula yeah, Leo, is it satisfying to learn new stuff in Splunky too? Does it feel like you're falling in love again? Uh, it's been satisfying to learn the new stuff. I'm wishing there was more of it at this point. It feels like the first four levels are very similar to the first four levels in Splunky 1. Besides the some changes that are obviously meaningful, like more characters that you have to do little objectives for, like they want turkeys and you've got to hop on these turkeys and... They steer you around like crazy for a few seconds until you've tamed them, and then you can ride them wherever you want and bring them back to that guy. There's definitely some weird gameplay stuff, but it's like first Blinky one, which is so sacred to me, and so sacred. See, that's what I'm uh, talking about. It's that type of language. It's just it's a cult. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's a it's a perfect game, and it's uh, a tough sell to to make a sequel to a game like that. And I'm still kind of waiting to be sold on it but i wasn't sold on spelunky one at first either it took a friend who really loved it to like play co-op with me and show me the ropes and show me what makes it special yeah i mean the reviews have been off the charts for spelunky too so it seems to be clicking with people maybe people just were missing even just playing 
Spelunky 1 enough where even if it is a little bit similar with some small tweaks along the way, they're still on board for it? Yeah, probably. It's still just like great platforming, great little procedural puzzles and like choices you're making of spending resources for for hearts or whatever. Yeah. Uh, great solid game. Oh, nice. Yeah, I saw uh, in the Great Goaty Hunt stream, I like the lore setup. So this is like the descendants of the original game. And can you explain like the cute little intro that they have to exp- <laughs> to alleviate any tension or pressure you have about finishing the game? Yeah, you're the character's uh, daughter from the first game. And you're here to track down your parents and you're in the tutorial, you're kind of getting a few of the pages from their diary about like what they're running into there and where they've been. And the last page is like, but hey, we're having fun and death isn't real down here. So take your time. Get it to us. <laughs> yeah, they, so they've fun. been they've been stuck in this like ever shifting labyrinth on the moon for like months but they're like nah but don't worry we're we're enjoying this so take your time learn the secrets play with a friend it's online co-op now it's everything you need Mm -hmm. yeah the ludo narrative dissonance off switch that every game needs (laughs) (laughs) don't worry about doing the campaign it's true it's just that one line i think it changes so much of the tone uh yeah jeff are you digging it do you have high level thoughts at this point yeah i'm I'm super liking it, and it is it is for that reason, like it's an interesting game because a lot of a lot of more recent roguelikes have kind of built on the idea of meta progression, which kind of goes against the idea of roguelikes to begin with, but you're you're kind of steadily adding progression and different things that are beefing you up in between runs. And aside from unlocking some shortcuts to the later worlds, like Spelunky doesn't do any of that. Yeah. But what I think it it does do well is that you do like your survival in the game really depends on your knowledge base of how to identify traps, how to deal with certain enemies and stuff. And that in its own way feels like progression every time you play it. And you, you just, and I, I like being able as a big fan and putting, you know, who knows how many hours in the first one, I like being able to go into that and having that experience of progression again, where it's like now there I'm getting into areas where there's so many enemies that are new and different little traps and things that I'm, I'm dying a ton while I'm learning all that stuff, but I'm having fun being able to just kind of add to my Splunky library of enemies and traps and all these things. Yeah. And that's what I'm still trying to figure out. Is it fun because you have that old logic grandfathered in in your brain and it's fun to differentiate that? Or do you think it stands apart as a roguelike in 2020? Because from the time since the first Spelunky to Spelunky 2, we've had uh, 36,000 of these games. Do you think it still stands mm-hmm. apart? I I do because I, I think it's still the best feeling one in terms of the gameplay is just so ridiculously tight and yeah. and you never feel like I died because, you know, I pressed that jump button, but I didn't jump when I was supposed to, you know, because the game is stupid. Like, and, and it, it, it's interesting that the, the game kind of struggles with that in its online multiplayer. Like it, it looks very laggy on, and there's a specific setting where you can, you can add an input delay to the button presses in what? order to get kind of like smooth things out for the online play. It's a, it's a very hell? weird thing. And it, it doesn't it doesn't feel as well once you turn that up a bit. Yeah, I, it's, fighting it's, games do that all the time to really? make sure yeah. that like you can consistently get like combos off and, and just adjust to the delay. It's a, it's a thing that does happen with like high latency games. Huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you you can, you can get used to it. Leo and I got used to it and we were 
we were doing fine with it. But when you're not doing that and you're and you're just playing normal, like it it feels so good and you have so much control that I think in that sense, like no other roguelite has come near it for me. Yeah. And so I, I think it I think it certainly would if you were jumping straight into Spelunky 2, I think you would still have a super good time with it. Yeah. Also, just I mean, while we're mentioning lag, I just want to quick say closure for the great goatee hunt. We were having some like latency issues playing co-op, and that is like a known issue that they're addressing. It wasn't like anything besides they were kind of surprised how things are turning out, and they'll be patching it. So. Okay, so right. maybe yeah, by the time of like the PC release, which is September 29th, apparently Backstage Pass is, is telling me. Um, so maybe even by that time, they'd have it ironed out, which would be nice. Yeah, I mean, for someone who hasn't played Spelunky, do you think this is one of those sequels that kind of makes the first game irrelevant? Like, do you think there's any reason to go back and play Spelunky 1 versus just starting with 2 at this point? That's a good question. I Like, I, I think there's still plenty of fun to have with Spelunky 1, but but I don't know... And, and that that's a tough one because I don't know how the overall balance of the entire game is. Like, having played enough of Spelunky 1... And I think Leo would agree. Like when Leo says that it's a perfect game, it's like all of those elements that are contained in that game just kind of even out and become this perfect thing. There's there's not like an enemy that's like too OP or something like that. That's that you're just going to curse, um, you know, consistently or anything like that. And I I haven't played enough of this to know if there are going to be any hurdles like that. But I would say like this game does a good job of encapsulating. Everything that was already in Splunky One, in terms of like the levels and those enemies, like all most of that stuff is still there in this one. It's just that they've added a bunch of stuff to it as well. And so I, I think you'd be fine jumping straight into this one, but I'd be interested if Leo agrees with that. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it is a uh... A good bit harder. Like maybe it has just been so long since I had to learn Spelunky One, but I think. Compared to that, it does it does seem like Spelunky One was a bit more of child's play. So it depends on what you're looking for difficulty wise, I guess. Yeah, I, I understand yeah. where you're where you're at, Leo. I've definitely had that experience where I'm too much of a snob and prefer the first game right when the second one comes out. Like I remember when Mass Effect Two came out, I was like, eh, I like Mass Effect One, and then eventually I just got used to it. Of course, Mass Effect Two is a masterpiece at that point. Then, right? And I'm curious to see like throughout the weeks if that kind of persnickety attitude of yours is wiped off your little face. Yeah, no, I, I want nothing more than to put more time into it and find out more of what it's offering. But yeah, I, I, it's, you know, trepidatious. I'm a, it's a big, uh, big, it would be a big achievement to make a sequel to Spelunky that's better than Spelunky. Right, right. Yeah. We will wait and see. Uh, but speaking of trepidation, um, in the year 2020, uh, they are releasing a game called Crash Bandicoot 4. Uh, and <laughs> the Crash Bandicoot series are my favorite of all time. Those first three games are so so important to me and so you know i was cautiously optimistic but they released a demo which i'm curious to just out of the gate to hear your thoughts on this they released a demo but it's the same as the tony hawk demo where it's a demo only for folks who have pre-ordered the game so obviously they're trying to incentivize people to pre-order forget everything just pre-order now but people on Twitter clearly pointed out like, this is the opposite of what a demo is for. You don't need yeah. to give people a trial <laughs> if they're already pot committed to buying that game. Like what do yeah. you think about this demo strategy? Why are they doing that? I, I thought it was weird that they released a trailer. It seemed like a weird thing to do. I mean, I, it doesn't seem like 
you know, too out of the realm of like, you know, marketing and stuff. But it, I guess with it being a pre-order thing, I guess it makes more sense for them to say, hey, like, yeah, here's a, basically another trailer. The, the demo is basically an ad to pre-order the game, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does it does feel a little unfortunate that like, you know, for someone who's like, ah, do I still like Crash Bandicoot? Or like, has it hold, held up? You know, I'm like someone who played the games when, I, when they were a kid, but I haven't really kept up with that or video games for a while. Um, the, the fact that those people have to buy into it before they can play it is, yeah, it's a bit of a bummer and kind of weird. Yeah. And I wonder if, did they ever make the Tony Hawk demo available for everybody or is that still exclusive? Cause I wonder if at some point they will open this up now, mm. uh, yeah. to everybody. I'm not sure. They didn't do, they didn't do a Chipotle deal this time. So you can't, you couldn't get a particular burrito at Chipotle to get the Crash Bandicoot demo this time. So, yeah, so not open to the, the public as far as I'm concerned. That's right. Some ideas are too good to exist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, actually playing the game itself, uh, I was really, really impressed. I had a great time with it. Uh, so there's three levels in there, two where you play as Crash and then one where you play as Neocortex, which is the new thing is playing as different characters there. Um, and they changed a lot of basic things about the game, but they're all smart. So right now, Crash defaults to a double jump, which is great. Also, they do something interesting where they have a little tracker on the bottom to show where you're going to land. Anytime you're jumping, there's just a little icon showing where exactly you're going to land, which is great for a 3D platform. It's one of those things of like, Genius. it's kind of ugly, but at the same time, yes, this is information that I totally need. And I was really confused playing the game first of all, confused by how difficult it was because this demo is hard. And I thought that, well, I know that I'm bad at games, but then Tim Turry, who's genuinely good at games, was also talking to me about it. And he's like, yeah, that thing is surprisingly difficult. It feels kind of like a, at least for the demo levels, kind of like a Crash Bandicoot 2 era of difficulty. So not the brutal extents of Crash 1 and not as easy as Crash 3, but somewhere in that middle area. But as I was dying again and again and again and again, I was confused because I'm like, well, I guess I'm collecting a lot of lives somewhere. I don't know what's going on. But they do this amazing thing where they have a death counter and it just goes up. It's not a lives counter. Mm. So it's just is keeping track of how many times you died. So you have like that reflex of like being panicked every time you see a number in the top right of the screen. But no, no, they're just letting you know how deadly this level has been, which is great. Yeah, but that's a pretty good fix because I think a lot of games like Super Meepo and Celeste do this where they just they don't really penalize you for dying, but they do count them as like kind of a measure of like, okay, it took me this many tries, you know, if you like looking yeah. at stats and stuff. But I do like that they're kind of like they're kind of keeping that pressure of like you should perform well. Uh, right. you know just to keep that counter down but it's not like a well if you die you have to start this whole thing over it's a really smart way to kind of get around that problem yeah and they also have like a retro mode where you can play with lives and game overs if, if you are interested in that but otherwise big takeaways is uh levels are a lot bigger than i expected some of these are huge there's like a dinosaur level it just goes on and on and on much bigger than any of the levels in you know the first three crash games at least uh there's you know, it's the demo, so they're emphasizing some of the new stuff. So the different masks, which, like the Aku Aku mask, it makes the noise when you get it. But now, because there's all different types of masks, so they all have a different way of saying that classic phrase, which is very fun. <laughs> but some of these masks, like one slows down time, so they're throwing a lot of time gimmicks at you in this level, you know. And then they have another one where you can phase different objects in and out of existence. And they have the section Leo that's like uh, the holiest of holies, uh, Titanfall 2's cause and effect level, where you're like mm -hmm. going on a rail and then jumping through boxes and you have to trigger switching through the different phases as you go to hit all the boxes. It's very satisfying and fun. 
it might turn you around on the Crash Bandicoot series completely, Leo. Do you really think so? Do you think it has? it's like a doing enough for players who weren't originally into it? I don't think so, but I am curious. Uh, we can put it up in the poll for the Great Goatee Hunt for $10 supporters to vote on to see if Leo can get the hang or can possibly fall in love with Crash Bandicoot in the future. Um, well, I love the character. Everybody Obviously, loves the character. it's all yeah. about the character Lots, like, for me. Big Bandicoot guy in general. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Big then they also guy. have uh, they have a level then in the demo where you play as Cortex, and that I'm not as crazy about. I'm hoping that they're it's a small part of the game or just optional, but he can turn enemies into platforms. And it does this weird thing where you play as him, then he triggers this explosion to a level and then it cuts back to crash. And then you're playing that first level of the demo again, just as crash. So it's like showing how cortex is influencing the levels you've already played, but I don't know how that's going to be structured in the main game, it's an odd thing, but well, then they say they have those levels that you can go back to previous levels, and it's like kind of remixed level uh, versions of those levels where they all have some sort of additional mechanic that you have to kind of work with. Did they say it? Okay, I I might have missed that, but from the way I played it, it was just like okay, now I'm just playing that back half of that first level again. So there might have been some some detail okay. there that I missed. But overall, I've been I'm really impressed. Uh, Toys for Bob's a developer on this one, and it's continuing that trend of like, hey, Activision. Not too shabby. The company we all like to really bag on, but they're becoming the new good job Capcom in my mind with these remakes and even picking up Sekiro last year. Like Activision's on quite a roll quietly. It's like Call of Duty, one or two original. I don't think they've had anything kind of big, uh, like anything besides Call of Duty this year. I don't think if they have like a big thing, but they've been doing a kick-ass job on, on remakes specifically, right? Right, yeah. The original stuff is still a little bit lackluster, but yeah, I mean... I think they've been doing an awesome job. And it's these remakes have just brought up their average quality bar so high that I was curious if a new entry like Crash 4 could hit it. And, you know, these are just three levels that I'm playing, but the Crash levels in particular, I'm like, I think it's great. I'm really enjoying it. It's exactly what I wanted, at least. Cool. Bobby Kotick must have gotten smarter. Something must have happened to his brain. Struck yeah. by lightning or something, and he got, like, really smart. I brain think power. I saw that no. news story. He was struck by lightning seven mm. times. <laughs> He said he has that quote where he said, yeah, lightning struck my brain and then I got really smart. (laughs) You would only understand how that would work if you were as smart as me. Uh, Also, last week, this feels like very old news, but they had the Ubisoft forward. You can watch our reaction stream if you want to check that out on our YouTube channel. Um, But they showed off uh, Gods and Monsters, which has been renamed to Immortals Phoenix Rising. Uh, which is the very Breath of the Wild inspired. It's Breath of the Wild meets Assassin's Creed Odyssey from the team that created Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, but even to the point of just holding objects like above your head with like the magnets and stuff, like it looks so Breath of the Wild, the climbing, everything in there. But I think it still looks great. And they said that it's coming December 3rd, 2020 on to every platform known to man. Like this thing is still releasing on Switch, releasing on Stadia, releasing on new gen, old gen, side gen. Uh, Leo, did you check this thing out at all? No, I haven't. I'm. How much of it is like Ubisoft open world on top of Breath of the Wild? Are they are they inspired by the Breath of the Wild open world as well? Well, it seems like it's not as open as Breath of the Wild. It seems like they're breaking the world map up into like regions based on different gods as you're going around and getting different god powers and stuff. But just talking about systems in general, it looks like a slightly more complex Breath of the Wild, but still, it's not going to be overwhelming. But even the combat in particular, it's like, okay, they're adding some more complexity here, some more moves, a little more of that stylish action vein. So it's not going to be as pure of an experience as Breath of the Wild, which is what I loved about that game. Uh, but I think it it looks really cool. 
Uh, and they say uh, that the tone is going to be ancient Greek guardians of the galaxy. That's what the creative director said in an IGN interview. It was like, okay. Sure. Yeah. Are, are they going to have bandit camps that you have to go through? I don't know. I'm sure there's going to be something like they have. Uh, so they have the, the big bad God. And so he is like making enemies pop up. And it's kind of like when the blood moon pops up in breath of the wild or something like that. Okay. And so maybe that'll be the equivalent. Are you pro bandit camp? Are you anti bandit camp? I've kind of had it with bandit camps. Okay. <laughs> oh, Breath of the Wild. Well, yeah, that's why you can. Get, that's why you can wreck them, though. That's the whole point. Is that you, if you're tired of bandit camps, just get rid of them. <laughs> you're supposed to be against <laughs> them. I'm kind of tired yeah. of wrecking bandit camps. So, uh, so you're maybe pro you can bandit? have them, but you can just join them and be like, <laughs> okay, I'm the cook now. What do you want for breakfast? Uh, they also announced that they are, in fact, remaking Prince of Persia: Sands of Time. Uh, coming out in January 2021. It's not going to be next-gen, though. Uh, there are a lot of people that had complaints about the looks, but unfortunately, Kyle Hilliard is not here, and so we don't have an expert to really speak about uh, this. So what are we going to do? It didn't look great. I watched the, the trailer, and it looked like, okay, you guys, like, if I were a student, I would be, like, really proud of this project, but oh, no. as it feels kind of underserved uh, if this is, like, their big return to Prince of Persia. Serial. I would love to talk about it, but Kyle's not here, so we cannot talk about it sorry wait a minute surprise motherfuckers i'm in this episode but you guys you probably where think where, happen, but where i can't you're not on the on the discord i don't know yeah, where to look remake, which what, I, uh, it's funny i wasn't actively watching the the ubisoft stream but you know we'd all been hearing rumors about the prince of persia remake so i actually was doing something else and i logged in and it was like the perfect timing they had just started talking about it so that was perfect the game itself looks interesting. I'm I'm super excited that it exists. I'm super excited it's being worked on. It looks like it's being worked on by a new internal Ubisoft studio, which is exciting. Yeah, we know, Kyle. You know, it's like a, a great first project for a new studio like that. It it doesn't blow me away. Like, it's funny because they showed some of the old gameplay, and I was like, yeah, it looks kind of rough. And then they showed some of the pre-render cutscenes. And that to me looked better than the alpha gameplay they showed which was a little underwhelming but all of that being said i mean it literally said pre-alpha i believe on screen or alpha so like i am i'm i'm sure it will improve i'm sure it will look better i'm really excited for it and i also like that they're re-recording all the dialogue yuri lowenthal is back i had a chance to talk to him during the spider-man cover story trip and I, I got in a few questions about oh playing God. the prince because that's like, I love that character and I love that accent that he has. It's one of the things that's missing from my other favorite Prince of Persia, which is the 2008 game. What is this, but a I filibuster? Mean, Get overall, to it! <laughs> super optimistic, super excited for that game. The first peek at it was underwhelming, but I, I have high hopes for it. I will say like the art that they released for it, like the updated cover art, I think looks fantastic. So if they can keep <laughs> the close to art. that Ooh, sort of concept of the game, I will be happy. But the real reason that I'm here is to talk about excitement around the Super, or excuse me, Mario's Super Picross announcement, which is coming oh, to I Switch see. pretty soon. I mean, that's off. that's equally exciting, right, All right guys? Kyle. All right, we got to let okay. you go. Thanks. Talking on Country 2. <laughs> Bye, Kyle. Uh, Bye. Yeah, Mr. Hilliard goes to Washington. <laughs> <laughs> he was sweating by the end, standing on his stack of books. Uh, yeah, I guess there's new games coming into the Switch Online. Yeah, Donkey Kong Country 2, that's going to be great. Just that soundtrack on my Switch. Ooh, baby. Uh, hey, Serial. Yeah. There is a game that is just fascinating to me that's very confusing called Moon. 
This is not mm-hmm. 2009's DS game Moon. This is the not- one that everyone talks about all the time. No, people can't stop talking about that 2009 DS shooter. And this is not the 2009 sci-fi film by Duncan Jones Moon. This is yeah. it's the thing in space. This is the thing in space. What is up with Moon, Serial? Pro or con? Uh, I like it. It's very weird. Uh, like. It, there's a lot of stuff that you need, you kind of have to look up basically in the first few hours. I think those first few hours are really rough. Um, but I I'm in the kind of in the position where like okay now I'm a, I can actually explore because what so you're this kid who is playing an RPG and you kind of start the game the first hour is basically like the short version of every JRPG ever where you're like, you're the hero, you go out and you, you kill monsters and stuff. And then you eventually get to the, like the, the finale. And then your mom tells you get to go to sleep. And then at some point you're sucked into the game. Uh, but it's like this weird corrupted version of the game where you are not playing the hero. You're playing the, the ghost version of yourself. And what you're doing is you're essentially kind of cleaning up after the hero who is just who everyone just kind of sees as this kind of like well he's going to save us but he is basically murdering everything along the way and just leaving a path of, of destruction in his wake so your goal effectively is to find all of the monsters that he's killed and you know figure out like individual kind of um adventure game style puzzles to bring them back and to and love get- all of them Right, so the the main goal is you're trying to get as much love as possible, uh, which you get from like you know uh, helping people out around town, kind of like figuring like getting to know them better, basically, and reviving all these monsters. And so love uh, also acts as a currency of time in a way, where the Say first few days um, it has a day and night cycle, um, where when you start, you can basically only do maybe like half, three fourths of a single day, um, mostly, and then you start getting tired. Uh, and like, it was funny because the first time I died, uh, I thought it was because, you know, like one of the first tasks you get is for your grandma, uh, who every, everyone in this game talks in this really weird, like distorted kind of like, it's just a bunch of different voice samples put together in like, yeah. these nonsensical ways. Like there's um, a chef in town that says like, you know, like I stand corrected, but like, but he'll cut it like the way they cut them. It just, it's just nonsense. Um, but you can sort of pick out singular kind of phrases from them, which is a really uh, kind of weird and cool thing for them to do. It's, but anyway, uh, go ahead, Hanson. I was just going to say, yeah, it's it's remarkable because it feels like a postmodern RPG. But the crazy interesting thing about this game is that it's originally a PlayStation game from 1997 that yeah. has never been brought to the West until now. And it's exclusive on Switch. Yeah. And so it's from Onion Games. And so that creator who also made like uh, Tulip and Little King Story and stuff. Um, so that creators studio Onion Games, who made games that I liked a lot, like Dandy Dungeon or Million Onion Hotel. They're really quirky games. Has now gone back to the roots and revived this old game, which was an inspiration for games that came after it, like Undertale. Like Toby mm-hmm. Fox has talked about the influence of Moon on Undertale. So it's fun to like have this archaeological revival of this pregenitor postmodern rpg right and, and and i think those roots as like a playstation rpg that never that you know someone didn't really think was fit, a fit for the west uh kind of show so you know i get this task from my grandma to say hey go get me a loaf of bread and i ended up spending i bought like a croissant instead of a piece of bread and i realized that i only i didn't have enough money to buy the piece of bread so as i was leaving the the bakery i died 
Uh, and I thought it was because, well, you like you're ba- you basically locked yourself out of being able to continue the game because you can't complete this quest for your uh, grandma. So I just fall over and die. But it was actually because I'd run out of time, basically. So you ha- you kind of have this leash on you the first few days where you can only maybe do like one side quest every before you can go to sleep, and that's the only way you can save. But as you gain love, you ba- basically can start exploring out into the world a little bit more at a time. So it's this weird kind of cross between undertale and majora's mask where you feel like this time pressure of like okay with the time that i have left i need to do this this and then next time i'm basically going to do a similar thing but i'm going to progress one step further Uh, yeah i uh are you enjoying it surreal i think i think those early hours i was ready to be done with it pretty quickly of just like i don't i think this is this is a little much i don't know that i can do this but i think uh I don't think there's anything wrong with just kind of looking up the first few things that you should do uh, just to get enough love so that you don't feel really restricted by the day-night cycle. So at this point, I can survive like two and a half days. I'm like a level love, level like 15 or 16 or something. It's beautiful. Uh, and then once you get to that, uh, like it's a lot easier to find these individual monsters. But it, it's you kind of go into it. You have to go into it thinking it's more of an adventure game that kind of riffs on RPGs yes. than what they think it, what they tell you it is, which is, oh, it's like a remix RPG adventure, right? Uh, it's less that because there's no like I mean you do technically level up but there's no combat you know so far uh, so it's more of this like let's you know take a stab at RPGs and kind of the way that they very much question like it, it very much questions a lot of the conventions of RPGs of why you're kind of running around and, and just grabbing like going into people's houses basically and looting them uh, they kind of address that in a couple fun ways uh, and you know just the idea of like yeah why is this guy going around killing everything just so he can kill a bigger boss that doesn't make any sense right yeah um, it's, it's really funny the writing is quirky I believe Tim Rogers uh, localized mm-hmm. this uh, if you know him from Kotaku and whatnot um, but yeah I I was really curious about it this was almost a deepest dive because I think it's such an interesting development story. Um, mm-hmm. And so I bought it and I'm in that first couple hours phase where it's like, God, it's funny and really interesting. The presentation is awesome. The art is awesome. I love this for what it was back in the day, but it is that slow realization of like, oh, this isn't an RPG at all. Okay, this is yeah. an adventure game from 1997 and everything that goes along with an adventure game from 1997. Yeah, there's just a lot of clever characters. Like, I think most of the characters you've run into are have, like, their own fun little story. And everyone has a schedule, which is another, like, Majora's Mask thing yeah. where um, you talk to someone during the day and they'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a guard or whatever. But at night they go drinking and that's where you can kind of do their, you know, side quest or whatever. And it was this weird thing where, like, at one point, you know, the, the florist, you talk to her in the morning uh, and she's kind of like, yeah, I would love for there to be more flowers or whatever. And then like at night it, on certain days, cause there's a whole like calendar basically, uh, she'll go to sleep in the bar and then you just kind of like go upstairs to the bar where she lives and you just kind of like walk around there for a little bit and kind of, you know, interact with her. And she's like, oh yeah, she's sleeping. And then you walk out of that bar and there's this other lady who's like, yeah, I saw you peeping on that girl. Uh, and like that's kind of like her side quest early on, and and so like the way they acknowledge a lot of like player tendencies is is really interesting, and yeah, and just progressing the story and just seeing like the next weird thing because all of the the monsters, um, they actually kind of remind me of uh, um, a lot of uh, Kobe soft stuff, you know, like uh, Joe Buckles, uh, like a lot of his like you know claymation looking models, um, they kind of look like that in a lot of ways, yeah. and it's this really weird art style for. A JRPG to have um, and so like I've been enjoying that I've been enjoying figuring out like here's how you feed basically get a dog to train here's how you train a dog to basically release a spirit from a house that's haunting your grandma later on <laughs> it's very important um, life lessons uh, but yeah it's, I've, I've been enjoying it I, I think that it, it it's not like a 
like super immediately fun game, but it's right. I think it's maybe like you know more fascinating than it is fun but yes. i'm enjoying it so it is far. one of the most interesting games of the year so far for me at least yeah yeah um moon was the name of that game on switch if you're interested in checking that sucker out uh leo do you know how this whole thing operates well slow down we just got we got done with that ubisoft forward thing and you didn't even mention that aiden pierce is coming to watch dogs i was getting to that by saying i think this whole thing operates because aiden pierce is coming to watch dogs <laughs> legion keeps us going do you have thoughts on that <laughs> i don't know it'll appease everybody who hangs out on that subreddit for some reason <laughs> the, the, if anybody in the world likes aiden pierce they're hanging out on that subreddit just so the watchdogs one protagonist is going to be in watchdogs legion yeah. yeah is it is it almost like a joke at this point or does ubisoft think that aiden pierce is actually cool because it seems like as far as i understand society has rejected him as an entity <laughs> well you got to think about the circles we run in right because they certainly have but ubisoft can't admit that he's dumb they have to they know that there's a part of their demo that thinks he's cool and they have to play to them as well as everyone else you know right. keep everybody can, happy can you get him to be part of your legion and then can you kill him off permanently I don't know. They haven't said how those like kind of more important characters will work because they also announced that weird like influencers I haven't heard of are going to be playable. And I don't know how you get them or if they can die or how that works. But I mean, permadeath is optional in the game, so I wouldn't be surprised if if you have permadeath on. Yes, you can kill Aiden Pierce. Well, that'll be a nice watch later down the road. (laughs) Real quick, though, what do you think about the uh, the Splinter Cell VR game that got announced today? Oh, I didn't hear about that. Wait, it really got announced? Yeah, I saw there were rumors. Are you making fun of me? I'm not. I, I Splinter Cell and Assassin's Creed yeah. VR games coming to Oculus. Oh my god! I'm at IGN's site right now, Leo. They say they're making Splinter Cell and Assassin's Creed VR games for Oculus. <laughs> Are you interested? Yeah, I'm interested. Absolutely. That Medal of Honor. I feel nothing about Medal of Honor. I'm excited for that Medal of Honor VR game. I think you can do cool stuff in VR, and if it's how these franchises are brought back, great, because I own it. If if <laughs> if you use if you have to use like the Oculus controllers to strangle somebody, and you have to hold like a position where you're kind of like this for like yeah. two seconds, is that is that good? I wonder what kind of peripheral I'll need to be hanging upside down from a pipe <laughs> and strangling somebody. It comes with the pipe peripheral, the roof yeah. pipe peripheral that you have to hang up on. Hang on. <laughs> Or is it is it just a series of LEDs that you put on the front of your VR camera <laughs> and, the and then they say, okay, pretend to be Stan Fisher? <laughs> <laughs> Do whatever. Uh, Crawl yeah. around. Does he turn the little three lights on by touching it? Do you think that's going to be a thing in the game where you actually have to like raise your hand? Or is that trigger? Press the power button like, on your thing? Yeah. He historically hasn't had to, but I think he should start having to. See, now Leo... Judging from the narrative of your watch later all about the failed revival of Splinter Cell and weird offshoots, this seems like another just kind of slap in the face of like, you can kind of be excited, but not really. (laughs) Yeah, at least it's a standalone thing. And it's not like Assassin's Creed is getting a VR game and you'll be able to put on the Splinter Cell outfit. (laughs) (laughs) So this is more more encouraging than than I think the Sam Fisher being in Siege. Yeah, that's right, Leo. Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash minmax 2 ends is how the whole thing operates. Thanks to everybody for their support and for making this whole thing happen. Thanks to generous folks like Rook. He says, 
Welcome, good hunters. Are you ready for a month-long night of the hunt? Is it your first time through? Fifth time through, but haven't played in since release? Never fear, for the Blood Bros are here. Join Adam Walker, Yarnum Ranger, and myself each Tuesday in September as we shepherd the community along their path in search of pale blood to transcend the hunt. And Sunday for Contract Killers, where I progress through my full NPC questline playthrough while taking out contracts from the community to tackle burning... Bur to tackle bosses burning away your bullets and blood vials. That's twitch.tv slash raven named rook. Each Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and Sunday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and join the conversation in the Summer of Soulsborne channel in the Minax Discord. Special thanks to Alex Bridigar for his graphic design for the stream overlays, and to Chris Lee for the lovely Blood Bros illustration in the middle of the screen for the video version of the Minmax show. The sky and the cosmos are one, Hanson. I don't know what kind of freaky stuff you kids are into. Uh, also, thanks to the band box. They say, hello, Midmaxers. We are so thankful for the support you've shown us so far, and we're really excited about the box we've been able to get you next. Yes, the new gamer box has just gone on sale and might be the best yet. This month's franchises are Super Mario Brothers, Portal 2, The Simpsons, Bart's Nightmare, and Dead by Daylight. Also, with Halloween coming, we decided to celebrate 30 years of The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror by doing a Simpsons pin set crossover between our Gamer Box, Geek Box, and Horror Box. It's our biggest crossover set in five years. And on top of that, the autograph in this box is one of the most iconic characters ever in gaming. A true, gra a true grail item for any collector. We can't wait for you to see what it is. Be sure to reserve your October Gamer Box at thebambox.com. One more time, Jeff, um, that's thebambox.com. Great. And then hit us up on Facebook or Twitter to become part of the BAM community. <laughs> and as always, thanks to IM8Bit. Uh, they want you to know that they have a Battletoads smash hits double album for sale on their in their awesome store. Check out the IM8Bit online store and use the promo code MinMax Show to get 10% off everything in there. The Battletoads double album is Pimple Pink vinyl they say and it features the i am 8-bit exclusive kiss my fist 3d pop-up gatefold jacket disc one has music from david wise with the original battletoads and disc two features david housden who composed battletoads 2020 and as a special bonus 500 randomly selected orders will receive rash's totally rad adventure cassette thanks to i am 8-bit for supporting min max and you can support min max too by submitting a comment or question for us to read on our show help make the show better in more ways than one every week we choose the question of the week and i am 8-bit ships them an amazing prize from their online store and this week the question of the week is getting this here the uncharted lost legacy double album isn't this thing sweet but wow. i've been doing a little tinkering y'all and why just show off an album when you can play it hang on let's see if this what? will actually final record he can't do that he can't do that somebody's bluffing impossible he can't do it he's doing this with his mouth yeah I bought a record player and plugged it all in and wired it up, so... This is the actual vinyl that you could win with the Uncharted Lost Legacy soundtrack. Alright, are y'all ready to open the min box here and get to community questions? Intense! <laughs> yeah, we gotta kill this. Question thing. one. I'm very pleased with myself that I rigged this all up through the TV. Okay, bye, vinyl soundtrack. Can you do a record scratch? Yeah, absolutely. Let's just destroy this thing. <laughs> uh, hang on. Now I actually have to go shut off the record. Perfect. Uh, thank you, Leo. Uh, MacDak writes in and says, asks, why has Metroid 
never taken off as a big-time franchise. It has a legacy. It's a cool space game about a bounty hunter. Seems like it should be one of Nintendo's top franchises, yet its sales and overall popularity say different. What gives? Well, I think part of it is they refused to make another one for like 30 years. So we'll just never know. It's just, yeah, Schrodinger's Cat. Maybe it could be the best franchise. We'll never test it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was hard. I, I think, you know, it came out late in the cycle for Super Nintendo, which I think is why it didn't sell great. And I think they took some lessons from that that they shouldn't have. And then you got into the weird era where it's like, okay, well, now we're doing 3D games. And so where does this 2D series fit in there? And I think it, it just took them a long time to figure it out. And it's probably more expensive for them to make than some of their other games or or they just they just don't have that formula like a clear-cut formula down for it that they can keep going i back think it's to. yeah and i think it's also the problem although you never call metroid prime a problem but with that shift to first person with metroid prime which worked out so well they had to staff up retro to create that type of game and then when it's like okay retro is going to go off do other things they don't exactly have a powerhouse first-person shooter team ready to take that over. They need that skill set in-house. And so they're kind of just left in the wind. And then, you know, they made the remake of Metroid 2, which some people love. I understand people are frustrated it's on the 3DS. But there you go, Jeff. I mean, if you really want a new Metro game, just go play that. Yeah. Did you really I don't accept sure. their offer. <laughs> <laughs> I also wonder if it's just a, a thematic thing where you know, maybe a lot of the concepts uh, behind Metroid where it's pretty lo-fi compared to a lot of other sci-fi, uh, maybe just didn't click with like a Japanese audience. So maybe Nintendo huh. specifically doesn't have like that kind of innate love for that franchise that would inspire a lot of like, oh, let's do Metroid, but with this, right? And and then, I mean, it ended up being that like the one that felt most, you know, attuned to Japanese taste, which was Metroid Other M, was the one that everyone just kind of is like, no, this is not what we want from Metroid. So yeah. I think that ended up solidifying as like, this is more of a Western franchise. And so, we, it, like, you, there's always like this remove for Nintendo, maybe, of like, it's not innately our thing because, you know, re it's a retro thing at this point and so maybe they're not as committed to it as they are like mario and, and zelda which consistently sell well and you know that you know nintendo understands what makes those games appealing whereas maybe they don't have as good of a grasp on that uh with metroid it could be yeah and i do know i heard from a very very good source uh that would know this type of thing that miyamoto has never liked or understood metroid not that he is full creative force of Nintendo and he's not the marketing budget and greenlighting every project, but I heard that he was just like, ah, it's just not for me. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think uh, if I remember correctly, someone told me at one point that he was the one who posted on the Wii U message board that's, yeah. and asked, how does Metroid crawl? He did, actually. Yeah, that's <laughs> no. a great point. A very reliable source also said that. Uh, yeah, it, I understand what MacDack is getting at here. Like, it has all those ingredients, but just it does not mesh with Nintendo. If... Microsoft owned Metroid, they would be beating that into the ground and those games probably would be successful at this point, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I agree. If they, like, you could almost see it as like, if, if Samus wasn't a character in Smash Brothers, I think Nintendo would have just said, yeah, you can have that and Banjo, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a rare property. Just take it. Just take yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, even looking at the sales, uh, I mean, series sales for Metroid is at 18.23 million. So that's in the same arena as... It's below Wario and barely above, basically tied with Luigi's Mansion. Below Wario. Below 
Wario. It's well below Nintendogs, well below Duck Hunt, if you want to factor that in. I mean, it's... You look at it, it's like, okay, uh, about one-fifth, less than one-fifth the sales of Legend of Zelda. And then if you look at it just as a terrible corporate robot, it's like, that makes sense. It seems like Nintendo is pushing Metroid about one-fifth as they push Metro- uh, Zelda as a franchise. So maybe everything yeah. checks out if you look at the sales yeah. numbers. Yeah. And, and I mean, th- I think those things also go along with their not really understanding it to begin with, where it's like... Well, we don't get this franchise. We 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 don't really want to do it. We keep hearing that people want it, but then when we do it, it doesn't sell well. And and also just like the fractured, you know, like fan base of like, okay, well, we made these three three D ones, and a bunch of people were like, no, we want a two D one. And then we made the two D one, and people are like, no, I just want you know the sprite version of that. You know, it's- like. For yeah. for people who who are operating on a completely different level in in terms of like the business and what kind of games they want to make and stuff, I I can see how that would be very confusing for yeah. them and just you just wouldn't want to touch it unless it's selling gangbusters. Yeah, I mean, and the you think about like the last five Metroid games have all been from external studios like Retro and then uh, Team Ninja and then. Uh, I forget the name of the 3DS developer, but it, it was oh, uh, Mercury Steam. Yes, yes. Uh, so the, it just feels like like Nintendo doesn't really have an innate desire to do anything with Metroid. It's more like, well, if someone else has a good idea, like we'll run it by our internal testing. So like that point, be, be that bar for like, oh yeah, we'll make a new Metroid. It seems a lot higher because there isn't that internal like, yeah, we'll make a new Mario game and this is the hook, right? Um, whereas like Nintendo doesn't know what to do with Metroid and they're kind of just waiting for someone else to, t- to pitch them on something cool. God, I would hope that Cadence of Hyrule opened up that door a little bit. Like I hope that within the next five years, the most satisfying Metroid experience, and I'm looking forward to Metroid Prime 4, but I'm a little skeptical too. I just wonder if it's going to be an indie team somehow working its way through that labyrinth that Cadence of Hyrule did and just creating some 2D offshoot like that. I mean, I mean, uh, like they, they could have Mercury Steam make a new uh ds game yeah. or a switch game i guess <laughs> uh, maybe they can off- offload it to like team cherry or someone it's like someone they're kind of like known for right. hey we have a we have a pretty good relationship with nintendo and we're known for making this kind of game yeah and it's it's not fair to be like oh nintendo doesn't get metroid like they made it i mean sakamoto is still over there he was you know working on every new metroid product as a producer you know even he was behind that 3ds game the federation force and stuff like he un- clearly understands metroid it's just doesn't seem like there's a lot of people in the yeah. office that are and like it, him. What, what do and the it, crazy fans want from Metroid? Yeah, yes. and it's like, even if he had a really good idea, it's I think it would be a little difficult for him to see like, hey, I really like this idea. It's like, yeah, it, it's not. It's going to sell one-fifth as well as any Zelda game that we just randomly cook up. Like, Well, obviously those games take a lot of effort to make, but like, yeah. I, it's a lot harder for just one person to have that kind of exciting idea that pushes a whole team to make a, a you know multi-million dollar project right right it's just what makes it frustrating is just the releasing the latest metroid on on 3ds thing it's like if sony yeah. was like ladies and gentlemen siphon filter is back out now this holiday on playstation 3 and it's, <laughs> it's like equally likely that i it may as well have not come out you know and well, it's frustrating like just put yeah. it on switch and see how it does there before you Right off the series, Nintendo executives, please. Yeah, well, Metro Prime 4, it's happening. Just not the 2D stuff. But I hear you. It it feels a little bit like Ubisoft, you know, what they're doing with the Prince of Persia remake, though, where it's like, "Eh, only last gen. I understand you can still play it, but it still feels a little bit that, like, here, shut up, fans. Here's a slightly outdated thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, The Champ, 
has a killer question saying, as we get older, do you find certain games to be a waste of time? I recently finished Xenoblade, but for the last five hours or so, I just put the game on casual mode. These traditional JRPGs feel like a waste of time to me. It may have hurt my gamer pride a little to lower the difficulty, but I wasn't gaining anything keeping the difficulty up. Are certain games just a waste of time as we get older? Wow. Wow. It's a big question. Yeah, I I think a a lot of it, I don't know that there's any like genre that's, entirely off limits but i think something like big expansive strategy games i think are are harder for me to like invest in even though there's been a ton that you know um feel get a lot of positive word of mouth and sometimes i think oh yeah yeah, i'll play that but i think my biggest change in behavior is just like not being as adamant about 100 percenting things and getting platinum trophies which i used to do a lot uh but now i just feel like yeah i don't i don't have like the time you know it's less about like oh i'm not a, like you're not a real gamer it's just like i just don't have the i would rather play more games less thoroughly at this point I, unless i really like them uh than try to like sit here and try to like look up a, a, a achievement roadmap for every game that i play yeah mm-hmm. i think i'm definitely more aware of when i'm sinking a lot of time into a game thinking about like is this really a best case scenario even going through Avengers campaign, which by the way, Suriel and I recorded like an hour long conversation talking about our full thoughts on that game as a max spoilers that'll be going up later in the week on our YouTube channel and in the Patreon exclusive podcast feed. Uh, but even playing that, you know, like the 12 hour campaign or so is still like, am I enjoying this enough to keep going with it? But I stuck with it and I'm glad I did there. But I think what has helped me a lot is I can soften some of these games, some JRPGs of like, well, if I'm grinding, I'll listen to podcasts. So I'm still learning something so it doesn't feel like a full waste of time. I can split my attention as necessary for the game, right? Yeah, I I think it depends because sometimes at different points in my life, I felt differently about it because I like want a waste of time more or less versus like I feel it's it's kind of ends up being something I project based on how I'm feeling in my normal life where it's like, God, I'm... (laughs) wasting so much time by playing these these games where I'm just like tricking myself and I think I'm doing something because the number's going up. Yeah. Versus now, it's like I've been so busy. Now when I'm playing games, it's like I do want a, a mindless Avengers experience where I'm tricking myself and I think I'm doing something because the number's going up. You <laughs> yeah. Know? yeah. I, I'm a, I feel like I'm also less likely to check in on DLC for stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless there's like, oh, yeah, you have to play the DLC. It's amazing. Uh, I, I probably will just wait until like it's on sale or, you know, they package it or usually not play it at all even. Yeah. Uh, Victor Pham submitted a great comment slash question on Patreon. Simple one. What made you choose Apple or Android <laughs> at the start of this whole saga? Why did we break the way we broke? Am I the only Apple person here? I'm an iPhone man. Okay, thank you, Leo. You can tell. You can tell who's an iPhone man and who's a weirdo Android person. And I mean, Android- I, I chose Android by default because I was a Windows boy, I guess. You know, I, I was always PC. And so when it came, like, I'm, I've, always, I've always disliked the closed system of Apple yeah. products, all Apple products, and not being able to... You know, someone can't just create, you know, create a program and then let you run that program unless Apple has gotten their fingers into it and, and okayed it. And so I I just waited a long time till I got a phone at all. And then when Google started making Android, it, that I guess that became the default at that point for me because yeah. it's not Apple. I was actually, I've been on both. I've had an iPhone, I've had an Android phone. And I, the reason I think I went to uh, Apple at first was because, 
you know, if I was going to write about games, Apple has like almost, you know, at the time had like a much larger share of like interesting games come to iPhone and yeah. everyone's talking about iPhone games and Android does get like a lot of them, but it definitely felt like, yeah, if you want to play mobile games, play them on, on uh, iPhone. And then I think the reason I ended up switching to Android was because of like, uh, Google Fi, I think the first Android phone was I had was a Pixel, and that was like a case where I think the plan, you know, the the payment plan for those is I think is so much better than I, I figured. Oh, it's time to upgrade. I may as well see what other phones are on the market. And yeah, at this point, I think that plan is still good enough, and the the Pixel phones are still good enough that I don't really need to switch. And at this point, it like even beyond the customization, I don't like I don't have a bunch of like customization stuff on my Android anyway. It's just like. Yeah, these phones are similar enough. The only thing that I miss on from the iPhone is like Overcast, which is a a much better uh, iPod or um, podcast, podcast player. I app love Overcast. Yeah, than anything on Android that I've tried. Yeah, mm. I think the games thing I think is a big deal. Like following games and like there was this exciting news about games coming to iPhone in those early days. And yeah, I bounced back and forth between you know starting with Apple II and stuff, where I guess I started with loving uh, Apple, but then. I think it was just loving Final Cut Pro, their video editing software so much that I always associated like, oh, high-end, classy stuff with Apple. And so then I think when I had enough money to get my first iPhone, it was like, okay, or my first smartphone in general. It's like I broke that way because of that one-two punch. And now I'm pot committed, even though I very, very rarely play any games on my phone. I still feel like, well, I can't break away because I have some broken version of that airplane landing game i can't get away from that doodle jump <laughs> yeah doodle jump i want us to go to the arcade and play doodle jump i'm not gonna pay another dollar to buy it again <laughs> yeah uh for me it's a, it's never been a decision really my dad's been a big apple fanboy since before they nearly went out of business in the 80s or whatever really? he's always been day one on every new iphone pretty much most new apple products and so i've just been getting hand-me-downs all my life the phone i use now is still a nice. hand-me-down for my family that's perfect. What uh, what's your dad's deal? What what brought him around to loving Apple? I don't know. I think he loves an underdog. You know, With the Mac <laughs> Attic magazines coming in as a kid. I don't yeah. know. It was it was a we had a, we had like a book in the bathroom that was like here's all the ways that Microsoft screwed over Apple and stole other ideas. <laughs> read it, son. Read it. <laughs> He's not like obnoxious about it, but he clearly feels very like, very strongly. And I'm not judging. Because we're all emotional and we all are nerds in our own way. But do you think he shed a tear when Steve Jobs died? Wow, I don't think so. No? I've seen him lose people close to him and he hasn't shed a tear, so. Okay, he's got that Steve Jobs style. (laughs) Yeah, that Steve Jobs attitude. Uh, White Mex submits a comment saying, asking, is the hidden one-up block in Mario 1-1 the most widely known video game secret? I've known about that one for as long as I can remember. I was wondering if it was the same for you all. That's such, I love that take. It's such like in the core of every gamer's DNA that I don't even consider it a secret. It's like, well, that's how you play Mario, but it has to be just like the most well-known secret in gameplay, right? I wouldn't remember how to get it. Okay. Now that you say it, I remember it vaguely, but I couldn't, I don't know. I guess I could probably jump around and figure it out. But Leo, can you draw a picture of what you think the opening of 1-1 looks like and then where you think the, the secret 1-1 mushroom is? Yeah, for sure. Okay, great. One thanks. Sec. But it, can you guys think of a better known secret? I mean, Konami code, if you consider code secrets, I guess. Hot coffee. <laughs> That's true. 
Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if if you're counting Konami code, like that gets used in so much, so many other, like, you know, like it's a thing on Google for crying out loud. Right. But yeah, I, I don't know. And you're also, we're also talking, we're so many generations removed from the original Super Mario Brothers now that I don't, I don't know if that's still. Yeah. But but I don't I don't think there's any there's probably some secret in Fortnite that would blow everything else out of the water. <laughs> yeah, oh, you mean right. the, the way the Epic is fighting hat. for our rights as gamers? No. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I I would side on the Konami code. I think that one's maybe. I think if you were to ask people who don't play games, I think they would be more likely to be able to. I think they'd be more likely to bring up like, what's the secret in video games? I think more people would bring up the Konami code than like the hidden block in one one. Right. Right. Uh, Leo, uh, are you, is your artwork done? Yeah. Okay, he's holding up to the camera now. It looks just like it. Like oh. for the for the audio listeners, oh he's God. drawn a perfect recreation uh, of the, even Mario, his famous voice line that says, uh, what does it say, Leo? I, I, I don't want to read it. It says, I'm... Let's a- a- oh, I've only read yeah. it. I haven't heard him say it. Yeah. <laughs> Stunning. Uh, Chris Logan submits a comment on Patreon and says, hey, Ben and the crew, as you know, any time the best video games of all time discussion comes up a big talking point is how much weight you give historical significance well what happens if you take that out entirely every game has to speak for itself with no nostalgia or influence on the industry taken into account if this list was completed what do you think the oldest what do you think the oldest game to crack the top 10 would be and would the original super mario brothers even crack the top 100 no, it would not. <laughs> Leo, I think you're with me, right? No. Yeah, 100%. No, yeah. It, I think there are probably some exceptions. Obviously, you know, I mean, people, you know, it's Tetris, whatever. Yeah. Boo, uh, boring, hey, shut up, you know? Oh, you're telling but people I in the backstage like, pass right now, Leo? Because everyone in the backstage pass watching it live is screaming Tetris, Tetris. So I'll, I'll tell them to <laughs> shut up real quick. <laughs> you know, personal. What if Tetris effect is, I mean, it's like all the versions of Tetris... If your Tetris is your favorite game of all time, isn't the top 10 Tetris games and then isn't the oldest Tetris game probably not in that top 10? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think about my favorite Tetris game at this point, it's probably Puyo Puyo Tetris, like just playing the Tetris variant of that from 2017. And that's mm-hmm. one of the most fun games of all time now, technically, I guess. Uh, I try to think of any old stuff. Like I always think back, Leo, to when you're at Game Informer and making the top 300 games of all time list. I'm trying to remember what game it was, but everybody in the room was just salivating over how amazing this old game was and how it should be on the list. It's either Wizardry or Adventure. I think it was Adventure. People were like, Adventure for Atari needs to be on this list. One of the most fun games of all time. And I remember just like Googling screenshots and showing them to you. Like, what are you idiots talking about? There's no way this is in any way fun today. And shouldn't we care about that? No, I, I played somebody remade adventure in VR chat. And I played it with friends walking around in, you know, in first person in just giant, like sheer color worlds or whatever. Oh, wow. Still not very good. <laughs> like the best version you can imagine. <laughs> right. Oh, Shazira in the backstage uh, past chat screams, don't throw shade at wizardry. Okay, I guess wizardry is holding uh, holding its own here. There you go. I would argue, poof, I mean, most fun games, that's what we're talking about, best video games. I, Balloon Fight might be in my top 100. I still think that is a very, very fun NES game. 
WarioWare Smooth Moves had Balloon Fight as a part of it. There you go. So oh. that's decimated. You blew it. So you can I'd get say, that plus WarioWare Smooth Moves. Yeah. Like one of the Super Bomberman games. I, I still right. think those. that's like a classic formula. And they've screwed up most of the modern Bomberman games. So that's what you need. Yeah, that's true. I guess Super, Super Bomberman R. Hang on. Yeah. I think that, I, that weird Battle Royale version of Bomberman R is out now for Stadia. I can't wait for that thing to come out to a, a playable system. Instead of, I, I th- uh, yeah, I, w- I think um, a platform for humans. That's right, not monsters. <laughs> uh, maybe Contra and, and Middle Slug, I think, would be up there for me in terms of like games that I think are pretty old and are still incredibly fun today. Uh, especially now, with, like certain ports of them have just said, "Yeah, you just have infinite lives and you get through this game in an hour." Like it's still that's still a really fun, good hour. Uh, and you know, like I think Street Fighter Two holds up really, really well. Yeah. Um, not Street Fighter 1, but I think that's probably like the oldest fighting game that would probably <sighs> still hold up today. Do you think, removing all nostalgia, historical significance, do you think Street Fighter 2 is a better fighting game than Street Fighter 4? Um, I personally don't think so. I think th- I think if I were to pick one Street Fighter to put on my, it's the one I have now on my top 10. Street Fighter 3, I think, is probably the best Street Fighter. Um, I think that game still looks incredible uh, for, you know, like it looks pixelated, obviously, but the the flow of like those sprite animations, I think, is still top notch. Uh, So that would be the one that I would pick. But I think you could still like you can still have fun with Street Fighter 2 today. And I think it holds up. But yeah, I guess maybe if I had to pick a Street Fighter, it'd be three. Yeah. Ooh, Ben Fitter in the backstage pass chat brings up a good one. Miss Pac-Man. That would that would be top 200 easily in my mind. Top 100, top 50, maybe even. Yeah, I think for me, top ten. Yeah, well, he was. I guess in Chris Logan's original question, he asked what would crack the top one hundred too. But yeah, oh. I mean, Miss Pac-Man. Whew, God, there's a chance that might crack top ten for just like pure great video game design, no nostalgia. Yeah, I think for me, like as someone who really likes the the, the current round of Pac-Man games, I think Championship DX and Championship Two. I think right. usurp yeah. it for me. I think right. if I were to pick a Pac-Man game, it wouldn't be Miss Pac-Man at this point. But uh, I'm I'm probably in the minority on that. Yeah, that's what's tricky is every good game that's old has been redone new, and most of the time they haven't screwed it up. I guess yeah. maybe I don't want to say most. Some of the time they haven't screwed it up. Jonathan Fence submits a question on Patreon and says, Hey, Maxers, I recently started playing Mutazion on the PS4, which I mainly downloaded because it looked really cool. What games have drawn you in purely on the looker art style without any other knowledge of the game? I got to look up this Mutazion. It's probably Mutation is probably what they're going for. Really? Like a play on Mutation. That's my guess. Yeah. Oh my god. It kind of looks like a night in the woods. Hang on. Hang on. This looks awesome. (laughs) I'll be damned. Um, Yeah, so just visuals alone. Yeah, there was a game that came out earlier this year that I think Elise Favis, friend of the show, tweeted about called Townscraper. And I just saw one image and I was like, yes, that's a game I will play right now. Uh, And it's on Steam. I think it's like five bucks. And all it is is just like a little 3D modeler where you're building up a town. And it's like smart the way you can attach things and it'll like make it look cool as it blends it out. And it's not like a a sim game or city builder. It's just like build little house models. It's kind of like if you take the house building from spirit fair and then turn it into a cute little 3d model that looks really great that's town scraper but that was one just this year for me hmm. i guess maybe hypnospace outlaw oh yeah what kind of all that game is is how it looks you know which is like like that browser simulating game that's out on switch now i believe 
Yeah, simulating early '90s web pages. Yeah. Yeah, I think Cups, Cuphead for a while. I think that was like mm. the thing about that initial trailer that was like, right. oh man, it's gonna blow people away. And I was definitely in the camp of like, oh, that looks fantastic. It looks amazing, and I'll play it just for that. But it's not gonna be like a, a, it's not gonna feel good to play. But then it turns out it totally does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they pulled it off. That's Col- a good one. Colton H writes in and says, "You're given a pair of special glasses with a HUD. What is the most helpful information you can have on this display?" Mini map of my surroundings that's very good so just (laughs) you'd have glasses with this hud and you just see a layout of your house at all times yeah streets that would be amazing just just think about how how nice turn by turn you know directions are in your in your car but just all the time in your life well boy hold it hold your phone up in the corner of your vision at all times or get a selfie rigged up oh i would i would love you know how um in like multiplayer games you can uh, uh, like especially like first person games they'll have like the little arrows on your edge of your screen for like hey here's your like teammates or whatever so they're always on your screen i would like that but for like select items of like phone headphones this thing so you're always like okay where so that i know the location of these important items at all times so i never have to look for them i am Mm -hmm. freaked out because colton submitted this question and then after the question was submitted, uh, Facebook started its stream where they announced the Oculus Quest 2 and stuff for $300 this fall. Uh, and they also announced Facebook's Project Aria, which is basically their Google Glasses. And their little demo video of what it is is exactly what Colton's describing and what you guys are describing. And literally in this Project Aria video from Facebook, they have where are my keys and it keeps track of where your <laughs> keys are in the room. It is exactly what you're looking for, man. All right, well, I guess I'll have to let Facebook keep track of me now it, and, and my keys. It is a funny 180 to watch that video because the first half is them just building it up. Like with Project Aria, Facebook's looking to map the world, keep track of everything around you. And it's showing them like scanning the room and walking through and they walk into a record store and it's like, oh, here's the recommended album for you. It's being like highlighted on the wall and stuff like that. It's building up how amazing this is, interacting with friends. And then the second half of the video is like, look we know we're facebook and so here are the qualifiers like apparently it is not going to keep track of anybody's face Uh and it does not track (laughs) anybody's license plates and they have to be like look we understand we understand this is scary so we're going to be using it on the facebook campus first and then we'll see how it branches we'll totally track all of our stuff consensually (laughs) through our technology but then we'll track you that's because but then everyone's equally affected that's fairness yes we know uh, you don't trust us so we're going to rely on your trust of us (laughs) (laughs) i also i think we had like in this short segment like the the complete arc of like technology in the last couple decades where it's just like oh here's a real cool idea wouldn't it be cool if and then as you get closer to reality it's like oh wait this is actually kind of terrifying let's not do it yeah Uh yeah and it's Uh, It's so tough, too, because it's like, I think we all imagine that we are going towards that AR future. This is going to happen, right? Yet, Mm. when a company inches towards it, it's like, F you guys, watch it. Don't do the obvious (laughs) thing. Everybody be cool. Don't do the obvious thing. Please, we need this for our own sanity. But 30 years from now, there's no universe where we don't have AR vision for all this stuff, right? I'm going to wait until Honey does it, the the plug-in that gets you coupons, because they don't sell out. I'm going to wait until they make one. Oh man, can you imagine that? You're going through the grocery store and it's just popping up like this is 20 cents off. This is, you know. And would you do it if it was Facebook tech? 
Jeff Hummel was like, well, you can have no. that, but you need to wear no. these Facebook glasses. No. I, I would I would put them on one time, which would be to point out where Facebook HQ is so that I could <laughs> drive my giant fertilizer bomb into the building. <laughs> Don't worry, they didn't listen to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, they got me. Dang it. Uh, What's Jer- that knocking? Also, yeah, Facebook's on the wall of heroes this month, so <laughs> you really look like a jerk, Jeff. Um, <laughs> John Ford submits a comment says, how do you get your Xbox Series X if you already have an existing Xbox all-access subscription? I love this. I love when people write in with these little things that I would never have thought of. Okay. So how do you get the Xbox Series X if you already have an existing Xbox All Access subscription? It's a question literally dozens of us are asking, and it is way harder than it needed be to be to get any answers. Customer service had no answer for me. Online facts only directed me to the offer terms and conditions, so I actually read the terms and conditions in legally small print to find out how their massively promoted flagship subscription service works and what I need to do. And the answer is... Pre-order the console like a normie with a whole new separate separate Xbox ugh, separate Xbox All Access subscription. Then apply with the bank to make it an upgrade. Then mail the bank my existing Xbox. Xbox at which point they'll waive the original loan. The bank? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> what? Isn't that bizarre? <laughs> so it's like yeah, that twenty-five dollar a month or thirty-five dollar a month way to get the new Xbox, which seems like a great deal. And if it it is, if you're interested, obviously in game pass. Uh, but if you already have that, what yeah. a mess. I think it, it kind of does reveal that deal is like, yeah, you're overall paying for it, but you are kind of indentured to them for a little while of like, you have to pay for two years of, of game pass. And that's why it's a deal is because you are yes. still paying more for the console than you might want to, because it's like, Oh yeah. It's, it's like when they sell you like those GameStop bundles of like, Oh, all this stuff is like, you're saving $10, but I don't need, you know, this grip for my Xbox controller or like the screen protector for my TV. Like I don't need, I don't need any of this stuff, but I am saving like $10. So I guess I'll, you know, pay an, an, an extra hundred dollars on top of all this stuff. Right. Right. What a mess. Uh, Fred DeNovo submits a comment, says, what would you consider the scariest movie poster slash box art of all time? My money's on Silence of the Lambs. As a kid walking around a rental shop, I'd avoid looking at it, and honestly, that thing still creeps me out to this day. That's a, that's a good one. It's just subtle and weird. It's just the moth over the mouth. Yeah, I could see that being freaky for a kid. Does anybody have anything jump to mind? When I was young, I had a poster of Lord of the Rings with a Gollum, Gollum-centric poster, and you could see his eyes clear as day in the, in the dark when the lights are off, and that scared me. But that's kind of a personal experience. Leo, do you know why we're soulmates? My why? answer to this is the Hobbit book cover from when I was a kid. <laughs> because there is a version of the Hobbit book, I don't know if you'll be able to see it on camera. Oh no, that's a blurry mess. Where it's a version of Gollum that looks like the scariest thing I could possibly imagine. Uh, Sneaking up on Danny DeVito. Sneaking up on Danny DeVito, yeah. And I just remember literally being a kid and walking by the bookshelf like this because I knew that book was on there and it scared <laughs> the hell out of me. Ugh, that's it's a awesome. nightmare. I'm, you reincarnated, man. Oh, yeah, that's where I went. <laughs> <laughs> I also remember being at like old movie stores, Blockbuster or whatever, and picking up the VHS for the first Leprechaun movie where it's just like a leprechaun's shadow in like a door frame. Yeah. That that gave me nightmares for sure. Oof. Do you remember oh, what a nightmare it was to be a kid where just everything could give you nightmares? Yeah. Minefield. It's like my nephews were 
visiting my house for the first time. I was giving them the tour and we have like this, I'll show it at some point, but in the new studio space, there's just like this weird storage crawl space that goes back forever. And I thought it was cool. It's like, oh, it's like a snow cave because it's all white. It'll be fun for the kids to play in and stuff. And so I opened it up. I was like, hey, check it out, a snow cave. And immediately they're like, no, 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 no. I can't go in there. It's too scary. And I was like, oh, that's right. Everything's scary for a kid. I forget. Yeah. Uh, Brian W. So then you locked them in there? That- oh, crap. I got to let them out. Uh, mm-hmm. Brian W. Uh, asked a question. He says, hey, remember that kart racer that was supposed to be coming to Xbox? It was announced as a big deal coming to Xbox during one E3 showcase, and then it's been completely forgotten about. Um, that was Kart Rider Drift, by the way. And they had a closed beta this year on Steam, but now there's been no update, and they still say it's coming in 2020, but it's been silent. So who knows? Um, but Brian asks, what are some games that have been announced and forgotten that you wish would have come out? P.S. Apple Pie is so much better than cake, and I can't even believe what I was hearing last week. Thank you, Brian. You get me, boy. Uh, okay, games that were announced and you wish came out, but yeah. they said they were forgotten. Elden Ring. <laughs> just record this and play it back three years from now yeah okay we will we will buddy once it's won all the game of the year awards for 2021 <laughs> that'll be great okay. uh, it, guardian shame that never came out <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh it's agent it's agent it's just rockstar's agent yes yeah we Probably. knew like all time little about it though, right? Like, do we know anything besides the oh, name? Oh, absolutely. There was like one environmental screenshot, but but it was the dream. Just a new Blake Hester, I believe, did a really good extensive write up on the history of Agent. Mm, is that a Polygon? It's a Polygon. Yeah, check it out. Uh, there's the 2016 game, or was revealed in 2016, uh, Wild, which was the PS4 game that Michelle Ancel from Ubisoft, Rayman creator, uh, Beyond Good and Evil. Uh, King Kong, uh, most appropriately. Um, he was making that survival game where you like fight the bear and stuff and you're kind of a caveman. Uh, and it has not been explained since what happened to Wild. It's, I think, just been radio silence. Hmm. There's another uh, one. B- BC? What is that? That was the, wasn't that the Peter Molyneux game? Where it was oh, like, was it? You were going to be a caveman, but, and you could like build up block by block, you know, with stones and, you know, Typical Paul Molyneux promises of you could cut down any tree and every blade of grass. And I am convinced. I don't know if this needs to be a video essay or what it is, but I am just perplexed by the world thinking that we like cavemen media. There have been so many <laughs> movies or games where it's just like, hey, cavemen fantasies. I I love dinosaurs, and I guess a saber tooth and woolly mammoth are kind of cool, but I have never wanted to play as a caveman, and they just keep giving us caveman media, and it has to stop. I, I, I think know. I like kind of reading the historical aspects. Like, if there's, like, a really in-depth documentary where sure. they're like, here's some new facts about, like, how, you know, how cavemen lived, how they actually kind of, you know, progressed right. you through society and their customs and stuff cavemen. like that. Yeah. But I don't want to hear, like, I don't want to see, like, the Pixar version of, like, wouldn't it be funny if cavemen did this? Like, I'm, that is, like, the least interesting concept. I want to hear, I, I want documentaries about cavemen. I don't want, like, fictional stuff. Right. 10,000 BC, that movie from the director of Independence Day was the big deal, and believe it or not, yeah. nobody cared. So yeah, yeah. you can imagine. Yeah. Was uh, that comedy year one? <laughs> yes, yeah, year like, one. That's right. Ivan Reitman. Yeah. Oh, wait, there's that art and animation one too. Yep. Yep. Cave that's all, media. and it's yeah, it's the like, same with with that. It's like yeah, that in Far Cry Primal. It's always like, oh, it's too bad they're spending so much time and <laughs> money on something I am not even interested in trying. <laughs> 
the, uh, the most interesting thing that Far Cry Primal did was like him up with that whole fake language. Yeah, that yeah. was really cool. Yeah, I like the idea of Far Cry Primal. Um, right. Also, everyone got too uptight about that map, being like, "Look, it's the same rough layout as Far Cry 4. It's like, yeah, but would you yeah. know that if you were just playing the game? Like, obviously mm-hmm. they were reskinning stuff, but like it felt different enough, didn't it, everybody? Um, oh, anyways, uh, another one for Brian here is I was very into the pitch of, oh, guys, maybe 2011, 2012, but Gore Verbinski, the director of Pirates of the Caribbean, revealed at E3 a Connect game called Matter, where you're playing as like this weird metallic sphere rolling around. I was like, what a weird thing from Gore Verbinski. And then that just uh, was eventually canceled. Um, Chandler Miller has an interesting comment. You ever think about how MinMax is the opposite of McDonald's Big Macs? Hmm. I've thought a lot about MinMax and the name MinMax. I have never thought that we're the opposite of Big Macs, but now I won't be able to unsee it. Yeah, we should start going by McDouble. It's really smart. Or, ju- or Junior Cheeseburger or something. We just call ourselves the Pounders. <laughs> yeah, mighty kids. Yeah. <laughs> we're four times what McDonald's is. There's four of us. Welcome yeah. to our new show, Junior Cheeseburgers. <laughs> 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 Little junior cheeseburgers of gaming information. <laughs> <laughs> Sliders with a Z. <laughs> uh, Philly Yeet Steak says, hey, y'alls. Hey. 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 hey uh, there's been a weird new trend in franchises to go back and start fresh after a certain entry, but ignore the sequels that happened after that point. Halloween did it, ignoring most of the sequels. Terminator did it, pretending 3 never happened. Now apparently Black Ops is hitting the refresh button. Crash Bandicoot is doing it. Uh, So here's my question. If you could pick a franchise and select a point in it to erase everything that followed and start fresh, what would it be and where would you be starting over? For example, for me, I would love it if Volition went back and made an alternate version of Saints Row 3 before it got too zany. Hmm. Okay. That was a nod mm. from Leo uh, acknowledging that's the wrong take, but we support you. For <laughs> take. In, in one face, I said that's a wrong take, but you're allowed to have it. <laughs> yeah. Where, where would you branch off for different timelines here? Hmm. I think mine would be Halo. Yeah. Ben it's Fitter in the chat also says Halo 3. Yeah. That is a good yep. point. Yep. That's, that's where I'd restart it from. I think Microsoft wishes they could do that now. And I start from and basically remake Halo 4 instead of having to follow up anything in 4 and 5. Yeah. Am I insane for thinking that they could if they really wanted to? I think think people care less about this larger storyline in all media than people think. And so my answer for this is Rise of Skywalker. I swear to God, if Disney just released a new version of Rise of Skywalker or like a new episode 9, I think they would make a gazillion dollars and I don't think people would really care. I still think mass audience would be like, new Star Wars movie? Where does it fit in the timeline? Yeah, I guess, sure. I will just go see it. And it could be addressed in the beginning as an alternate version or a dream. Like, they could go back. I know some people <laughs> have suggested that even, like, animate that Colin Trevorrow version of the script. I think they could do that. I think people can be faster and looser with these franchises and lore than Hollywood would believe right now. Yeah, I think I mean, that's we, what we've learned is that like, yeah, you do that with Halloween or whatever and the the public at large is like, oh yeah, that's when I stopped thinking about this franchise. So <laughs> we can pick up from there. That's perfect. Or even yeah, then, can, yeah, it's like they don't even remember what the last story beat was in Halloween. It's just like, I just want to go to a theater and experience Halloween. I want to go to a theater and experience Star Wars. The details, whatever. 
Yeah. They, I mean, they could put the whole thing in Fortnite this time. <laughs> <laughs> There's one thing about it that worked. <laughs> uh, Jake Tricks asks, hey, Ben Solo and the Minmaxium Falcon crew. That's fun. I connected. Um, full motion video intros aren't as common as they used to be. Which one is your favorite? And can you describe what happens in them in detail? Ben can watch the FMVs for accuracy while the crew takes turns describing their favorite intro FMVs. Mine is Soul Calibur 2, but I'm not going to describe it to you. Oh, Jake Tricks. Uh, the best FMV intro. What comes to mind? Uh, Skate 3. All the skate games had really good ones. Skate 3, I think, was the one where it starts with like lumberjacks and they always do it where it's basically this long little short film that's like eight minutes long where all the pro skaters in the game are just playing the role of different nameless characters so it starts with like two pro skaters being lumberjacks cutting down a tree and then it basically just follows that tree down like the whole pipeline through a factory until it becomes like a skateboard deck that's an amazing idea i forgot about that good those intros are awesome that's a really fun idea. I was just going for like pure cheese, which is 2001's frequency on the PS2 from Harmonix, where the entire intro is just like a sci-fi rave. Everybody putting on fancy goggles and dancing to the music from frequency. It is the cheesiest effing thing in the world, but I adore it. Nice. Uh, it made me want to be cool when I was young. I still really like the one from Melee. Well, that's not FMV really- though. This seems to be video or like fully acted yeah that wasn't that, actually i, I don't Mario. think a soul caliber one was i don't think the soul caliber one was fmv then oh really i just I assumed remember. i don't remember see. any fmv associated with the soul caliber 2 but i could be wrong i mean fmv that means it has to be acted Act, right like, i don't well i think that's you know what it's come to mean even though technically it just stands for full motion video that yeah. doesn't yeah mean... i think it usually stands for like this is just like a video file playing instead of you know an, an engine thing right wait no, right we, which we, i've always we, just called pre-rendered yeah we're, yeah, we're wrong yeah. It, it turns out fmv stands for fair market value oh <laughs> i love those okay. fair market value intros yeah oh in that case yeah, and tricks. that's why the skate three one is so good because it's like the value of the skateboard deck and the that's process true. it's yeah. pretty fair it's 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 so fair it's sick it's the fair it's an yeah. organic skateboard uh mm-hmm. vb says i just want to say i'm new to your podcast and this group is amazing that's it hashtag i have spoken Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for speaking. Yeah. It's nice when new folks jump in and say, hey, my first question here. I'm sorry we didn't get to all of them, uh, but uh, we encourage everybody to jump in in any tier and submit a question to make the show better. Okay. Are you are you ready? Blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> are you ready for this, Humdinger? <laughs> Y'all? I, yes. Matthew Weatherly submits a question, and he says, good day, CLCs. I have a challenge for you all. Uh-oh. Can you, and by the way, this goes for the folks in the backstage pass. We need your help because uh, this is a, a brain melter. Can you come up with a definitive top 10 games with numbers in their title? You need to list from zero through to 10 without using the same genre or series. For example, oh, wow. genre is too tough. Let's leave that out. So just the same series. You can't double up. For example, number seven will clearly be Final Fantasy VII. Number one can be any game as long as it has a sequel. Mm, I like it more if one has to be in the title for one. Let me just fix your game for you, Matthew. Uh, Game selected... Perfect Dark Zero. Oh, oh my God! (laughs) 
That's the best one? Well, I mean, Yakuza 0 has to be the best one, right? Yeah, I would have. Oh, it has to be the best one for each? So he says, games selected should be games the CLCs would be willing to play and enjoy. And I would very okay. much be willing to play Perfect Dark Zero. Leo and I just played it less than a year ago. But <laughs> then my neck is a zero. <laughs> it's now tied to a specific traumatic memory, too. So it'd be fun <laughs> to revisit. So Yakuza Zero is the best zero game, right? Like Resident Evil Zero is not as good as Yakuza Zero, right? No. Horizon yeah. Zero Dawn is also oh! not as good as Yakuza Zero for me. So Yakuza Zero. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a really good idea, but does okay. it have to be the number or can it be letters? I think it could be letters. And does it have to be at the end? Mm, unclear. Unclear. Is, is, ooh, ooh, Edgar Vasquez in the chat. Metroid Zero Mission. Oh. Mm. Uh, I haven't played Zero Mission, which I should. I think I'd still give it to Yakuza Zero. Okay, but... let's go Yakuza. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> Best game with one in the title. Battlefield 1. <laughs> That's good. Is it better than one extreme? on the playstation <laughs> we go yeah rules there's not a lot of it's also not googleable one games so. <laughs> i know it's so hard <laughs> mm-hmm. can you one versus 100 Ooh. oh Are, yeah is that better than battlefield one yes <laughs> i'm right. willing to give it to, to i like i like battlefield one but uh okay one versus 100 well, no, i'm sure no shade one versus 100 was sick uh, okay this is the tough one two this is every great game ever made uh mass effect 2 is it taking this my galaxy 2 mm. but i know leo's not a fan of platformers Ooh, mark andre in the chat says portal 2 I think Mass Effect yeah. 2 is still... I think that's a tough one to top. Tony Hawk 2. 1 plus okay, 2. But we can't, <laughs> oh, we one, can't the, repeat genres, though? Was that part of it? Yeah, but that's not fun. <laughs> We're fixing Matthew's yeah, I mistakes. Would, I would go Portal 2 on this one, but... <laughs> I would also go Portal 2. Okay, I guess we'll go Portal 2. Edgar Vasquez suggests 2 human. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a different 2. That's... that's Oh my god, hang on. People are going back in time and have really good one ones now because you could do Tony Hawk one plus two or you could do one two switch in the one slot. (laughs) But I like one versus a hundred. I think it's great. Okay, portal two. Now three. What's the best three? Street Fighter three. If you recall, we did give a certain game best game of the decade award for MinMax that was the third entry. Metal Gear Solid 3. I think it has to be okay. Metal Gear Solid 3. Sure. As a collective choice, sure. You can go. Metal you don't have to sound defeated about it, though. I love Metal Gear Solid 3. Okay. I am not at all upset. Tell your it. face. Okay. Uh, Resident Evil 4. Is anything topping that? Forza Horizon. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's got two fours in there. You don't think about it. Yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> Five. Mmm. The pool is narrowing. It really is. But, uh, I mean, Skyrim's in there. That's a V, though. Mm. <laughs> True. Five has come, too. Um, oh, Metal Gear Solid, I, would, I would go Metal Gear Solid 5, but we can't repeat series. Right, uh, right. I would go Dragon Quest 5 over Skyrim, personally. That's dumb. Ah, <laughs> oh, ah, contraire. It's a good game. <laughs> uh God, there's got to be a game that I really like. I guess a lot of people would probably say Persona 5. Yeah. Which I like more than Skyrim, but yeah. I don't think that's going to win here. <laughs> that's interesting. Um, GTA 5. 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Not, this not is a, pretty close to the the idea the segment Hanson wanted to do of just listing games and not commenting on them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna rate Dragon Quest Five. If anybody is outraged, sure. come at me, bro. Andy Resident Evil again. Yep, that's true. Uh, <laughs> six. Ooh, Resident Evil. Yeah, it- uh, if, uh, by default, unless anyone can pick a better title. <laughs> Because I gotta say, Final Fantasy for when no other game is ten. I know, long. I know. You everybody in the well, chat screaming. I got, I got one for seven. We can use Final Fantasy six for this. Uh, <laughs> but we might need it for a nine or an eight. We have to do these in order. Can we go back and say like, okay, we'll fill in fine with this one with six, unless we find a better one. Uh, man, oh, Rainbow Six. We have to start over. Oh, in the chat, oh, Rainbow, Rainbow Six. Yeah. Okay, that counts. Right. But hang on, that doesn't count. But now I'm throwing everything else out the window. But it's got six in it. Okay, let's reread the question here because everybody knows we want to follow Matthew's rules exactly right. Come up with a definitive top 10 games with numbers in their title. Okay. We already picked one versus 100. I know. Well, I just didn't want to give this to Leo, but all right. Rainbow Six Siege. That was the first game in the series. Because I was thinking even like Civ 6 would be a good good contender there, right? But uh, What would? Civ 6. Civilization. Is that the latest one? That's right. That's right. Check out our new interview on our YouTube channel with sure. Seth Meyer, by the way. A uh, fun chat with Six a very Meyer. humble man. Uh, okay. Uh, Final Fantasy VII? Might I suggest Killer Seven. Killer Seven. We have five, we have plenty of other slots we can fill Do with Final Fantasy. St- any of the remaining slots we can easily fill with Final Fantasy. Oh. We need an owl. How many right. tens are there? All right. All right. We'll give it to Killer Seven. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, eight. Final Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Just pull out, pull out the break a uh, glass moment now. Does does like Madden 08 count? Technically, do we want it? <laughs> is that is that our yeah. choice? <gasps> Ooh, Jake twitching in the chat suggests Dragon Quest Eight. Oh wait, no, we already used it for five. Yeah. Oh damn yeah, it. Yeah, you already blew it. No, we needed you. Is there a Rainbow Six Five? <laughs> oh, uh, 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 Mario Kart Eight. Oh, perfect. Nice, perfect. God, That's you're good. a genius. That's okay, nine. Uh, oh, nine person. Nine, nine, nine. nine. Yeah, uh, yeah, nine, nine, nine. Ooh, does, but that nine is technically the nine number nine hundred ninety-nine, right? Like, I don't know if that would count. Well, it has it has nine, 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 and then nine hours, nine persons, nine doors is the full name of the ty- of, of the game. Okay, here's a question. Does Mortal Kombat 9 count as a contender? It's not an official title, it's but... Not a, it's not in the title. It's the, the name of the game is Mortal Kombat. Yeah, it's got to be in the title. Yeah. Okay. 999? Yeah, let's do it. All right. The best 10 game. Mortal Kombat 10. Mortal Kombat 10. Mega Man 10. Um, <laughs> Final Fantasy 10. Mario Party 10. I mean, I want to put Final Fantasy X here, don't you? Yeah, I think that this is this is a good place for the. But Final it would Fantasy. be pretty baller not to include Final Fantasy on this list at all. <laughs> yeah. ASX. I don't think stands for ten. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's pronounced Deus Ten. <laughs> Deus Ten. Everybody's saying it wrong. Day, it's tricky. actually it pronounced days 10 <laughs> for how, how long it takes to get through that game. 
Um, God, this is a real stinker. Mortal Kombat's still on the table. Okay, so what were the other 10 options? Mega Man 10, Mortal Kombat 10. Final Fantasy. I think... Uh, what other games have had Madden 10 technically, but yeah, yeah, Mario Party Shin 10. Shinigami Tensei. <laughs> there we go. I like it. Um, all right. Tennis, Mario Tennis. <laughs> That's so good. There's probably like you know ten pins bowling on PlayStation One or something. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Sh- all right. Should we let's let's do the cool move? Let's put Mortal Kombat 10 here and then not put Final Fantasy on at all. That is a cool move. All right. Yeah. So the official list for Matthew Weatherly is Yakuza 0, 1 versus 100, Portal 2, Metal Gear Solid 3, Resident Evil 4, Dragon Quest 5, Rainbow Six Siege, Killer 7, Mario Kart 8, 999, and Mortal Kombat 10. Perfect. That's good. Thank you, Matthew. That's actually 11 entries, though, right? That's true. You figure out math. Um, okay, what do y'all like for question of the week? I like that one. That one was cool. I mean, that's tough to beat, right? Yeah. All right. I don't know why we're all so resigned to it, but congratulations, yeah. Matthew Weatherly. You get the awesome Uncharted Lost Legacy double album from I Am 8-Bit. And also, even if you didn't win it, if you're not named Matthew Weatherly, you can still go on I Am 8-Bit's awesome store and use the promo code MinMaxShow for 10% off for that double album. But congratulations to Matthew, and thanks to everybody that submitted a wonderful question. Now it's time for something we call Get a Load of This. If you say one of our names, we can start while you're typing. Jeffum, wow us, baby. Uh, get a load of this. I'm waiting for it to load because I can't remember <laughs> the name of it. Okay, uh, this is this was a popular mechanics article that came out last week, and it's called the M the M drive just won't die, uh, and it's basically a rundown on the history of this theoretical drive called the m drive that they they want to use it for space travel um but physics physics physician or fit you know the physics smart guys yeah physicists <laughs> physicists yes they say it's impossible and and this has been a debate for 20 years um but recent and the idea behind the drive is that you have kind of this cone-shaped drive that you shoot microwaves into and and they'll bounce off the inside but because one side is smaller it will be more intense on that side and it's theoretically it will push it in one direction it it will cause movement Uh and physicists say this is impossible and that it's it's basically it they they compare it to pushing on the front of your dashboard in a car and making the car go forward because you can't forces don't work like that within a closed system but for like 20 years people have been doing experiences and building these drives and they supposedly work but we're supposedly. talking about like really small amounts of energy and so the physicists insist that you know like this these are anomalies and it's like other things being introduced into the experiments but DARPA has you know, like decided they were going to build this drive along with like several other research, you know, groups in, in all these different countries. And they're basically all coming to a head now. And they're, they're getting to the point where they're they're They have built them and they're starting to actually test them to see if the physics actually works the way that they're not supposed to. So we may be breaking physics very soon. I, but the, I believe that, physicists were right and this is just a crackpot thing right 
Well, I, I mean, there's apparently physicists also who are working on these things that are saying like these results are very promising and wow. we'll, we'll see if they're actually working. But popular mechanics gives a really great breakdown of like the entire history of all this. That's stuff. cool. So. The link is below in no matter format, no matter what format you're listening or watching this. Uh, Serial. Uh, yeah. So we mentioned it earlier, but uh, the this week is the fifth anniversary of Undertale. Yeah. And so they had this live stream concert last night because it was in Japan time. And so they streamed out the entire concert. And uh, if you're at all a fan of uh, Undertale or good music, I suggest you watch the whole thing because it's uh, really, really well done. I think a lot of the ways they uh, incorporate a lot of like the very specific sound cues from from Undertale, I think, work really well. Like um, the the kind of staticky stuff in some of those songs, I think they, they translate really well to instruments in, in this really surprising way. And uh, I found myself tearing up at a couple points just to see wow. how like they'd adopted certain cues of music and stuff. And it really brings together like how much of that game is about motifs in a way that a lot of video game soundtracks are not, where you'll see like one boss's theme recur in another boss's and that thematically ties them together. Um, things like that. I think, yeah, that, that entire soundtrack is really good. Um, and, you know, this, this kind of uh, orchestrated version of it is uh, fantastic. That's awesome. Leo, son? Get a load of this, guys. Uh, in Fallout 3's Broken Steel DLC, uh, there is a moving train that is not possible to make in the engine they were working with. And so their solution, which people, you know, data mined out, was to have an NPC under the train tracks and have the train car be a piece of head armor that the NPC <laughs> wore and then have the NPC run super fast down the tracks. Oh my God. And there's a very funny image of it. That's so editor. good. That is so good. I love those stupid hacks. Like yeah. I think it was in the no clip video on outer wilds, how every time you couldn't jump in that engine. So technically it's just the entire universe just moving away from you at the right rhythm to simulate you jumping in outer wilds. Like that type of stuff is so yeah. fun. Yeah. Uh, Hey, everybody, get a load of this. Uh, there is a new interactive experience out called the Garden of Earthly Delights. And it's a chat room of sorts. Uh, Vice has an article about it. It's a new interactive chat room where every user is an animal from the classic Microsoft strategy game Age of Empires 2. Lions, deer, and even penguins populate oh a landscape lifted from the game, all while AI-assisted humans shoot them down with arrows. It is wild so i went in there and no one else was in the chat room while i was in there or they're all just very quiet and it's just this surreal nightmare of just every animal from age of empires 2 crowding this area while humans hunt everybody and then like this philip glass score is playing over the top and i found a castle and there were just a bunch of dead penguins around it it's a wild <laughs> thing maybe a goatee contender who can say uh jeff that's also how we're going to do the podcast from now on <laughs> the garden of earthly delights yeah <laughs> that's where yeah uh junior burgers from uh jeff did you have one from the community that you pulled from the discord yeah get a load of this this one is from Globetrub. uh it's a polygon article but Globetrub said this article single-handedly convinced me that i need to play crusader kings 3 um, the article is by cass marshall and it's my terrible crusader kings 3 son is completely out of control and she kind of runs down the shenanigans that she had and her she kind of left her son by himself after he murdered a deer in the woods and she didn't she didn't want to like 
reinforce good behavior because that would cause stress to her character. So she just laughed it off and then left him for 20 years. And when she came back, he was like wearing a man in the iron mask <laughs> mask be- because he, his face was horribly mutilated from like all the duels that he was causing people. And she kind of runs down the entire history. And I completely agree with Globetrub's comment because I see those stories and I think like, man, that game is so intimidating, but those are the kind of, you know, dynamic stories that I want from games. And so that yeah. makes me want to check it out, but you should check out her article. Maybe it will inspire you too. That's awesome. Uh, hey, thanks everybody for sticking with us. Thanks to everybody at the Backstage Pass that's watching us record this live and throwing in great suggestions during the community question segment. Um, Leo, yeah. we have a new watch later going live on Friday, early access for Patreon supporters as well. That's exactly right, Hanson. It's about Tony X Pro Skater 1 plus 2 and my favorite mode therein. Oh, nice. Why it's so good. How's it going? Pretty good. I think it could be funnier. After we're done with this recording, I'm going to try and make it funnier. Okay. Punch it up a little bit. Right. Okay. Is that a fun process or is that going to be stressful for trying to figure out where does a joke get inserted here? Uh, it's normally not very stressful, but I already like recorded it and everything. So it'll be a little more stressful trying to figure out like, how can I fit it in where it'll feel natural and won't be a ton more work for me. Right. It won't sound super obviously ADR, but yeah, how it goes. Uh, I feel like everyone in the world has already kissed your ass a lot, but on your personal YouTube channel, you uploaded this video called when I slip on a banana peel. When you slip on a banana when you peel. Slip- well, it, wasn't, it wasn't you specifically, Ben. It's just called when you slip on a banana <laughs> peel for everybody. Uh, everybody, please go watch that. Uh, Leo, fair to say that's the most personal, grand thing you've ever put together? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. It is stunning. Please go check that out. It's better than any, any video Hanson has ever done. 100%. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but that's definitely the subtext here. Um, but you know what? It's, it's where I think they should take Star Wars. I think they should actually just figure <laughs> they out. They should have just called that episode. I just now. need to add the opening crawl. <laughs> <laughs> the dead speak. <laughs> <laughs> and it rules. Uh, also, check out our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Minimax show. Uh, there's a new episode of Refreshed going live at 6 p.m. Central with Ana Diaz. Uh, and it's about the rise of anime culture during this year, during a tough 2020 how anime communities has really have really taken off in some aspects of the internet and so it's kind of unpacking that a lot of good anime chat and fandom discussion in there as well so please look forward to that also like i mentioned before we have uh, max spoilers going up on friday where it's early and i Cyril and i talking all about marvel's avengers but hey thanks to the following patreon supporters for their generous support of minmax at the 50 dollars tier we have the bam box rob hudak i am 8 bitch war hello Mirko rico torreno tyler thorny zachary pluggy rebecca lang beaten down brian brian with a y ent clark mark seliga captain subs one ludwig roke andrew valla um leo do you want to like control the the um velocity like imagine you have like some sort of spaceship throttle and i can go through these names depending on what you want captain stubbs one ludwig roke andrew valla chris vizetti vitelli thomas hosser snake snake 24 yaro worm garcia spiral in your eyes richard smuts jt fells spider dan steve bam dead alex Payne. thank you so much everybody <laughs> be good have fun let's go 